Alex and Layla Hermosi have become the ultimate power couple. Together, they made over $100 million by their early 30s, and today they're sharing the secrets behind creating a successful relationship. The single most important decision that you make of all the decisions in life is who you spend your life with. Building a multi-million dollar business. Right now, it's pacing uh, just about $250 million a year. And how finding the right partner could be the best or worst investment you will ever make. Yeah, you should learn how to do this. Like, let's build a fucking business. On this episode of... The uh, Iced Coffee was, Hour. Uh, this episode of subscribe. Thank you guys for tuning in. Yeah. Subscribe down below and let's get on with the episode. But first we got to thank our sponsor, Match. Oh boy. Now I've known Jack for a while now and uh, he's perpetually single, which I'm not complaining about because that means he has more time to work. And although I love focusing on myself, I'm still a sad, lonely nobody and I'm a loser with no fret. Graham, did you write this script? <laughs> Listen, I've been working on myself lately and it's honestly been amazing for me. And surprisingly, it's something that girls actually find kind of attractive. And now that I'm ready to get back out there, it's nice knowing that being in a relationship actually might save me some money. Match's latest study of over 5,000 US singles reveals that while the cost of being single has skyrocketed in the last 10 years, more singles are looking to ditch the white tablecloth and opt for freezy, frill-free dates. In fact, over 30% of singles said that they prefer to do a free activity on the first date. Saving you money. And the busier things have gotten, the less I've been going out and meeting girls in person. <laughs> How do you like the script, Jack? I hate it. <laughs> it's the truth, though. It is the truth. So having the Match app has allowed me to maintain my busy schedule while also allowing me to put myself out there. And just to prove that Match has been my favorite dating app recently, I left my profile link down below in the description. So for the audience demographic, that's like 15% that are girls that are listening. Check it out. So having the Match app has allowed me to maintain my busy schedule while also giving me time to put myself out there to see what happens. And the best relationships show up when you show up for yourself first. And there's never a better time to try out Match, so check it out with that link down below. Right in time for the holidays, so bring home someone good for your parents. Maybe it'll be me. <laughs> okay, Thank you so much, Match, and back to the podcast. Hello, we are Alex and Layla Hermosi. We run Acquisition.com, which is a private equity fund firm uh, that we just privately manage our own Wealth sounds really egregious when you put it like that. Yeah, um, but yeah we have a portfolio of companies that does, uh, right now is pacing uh, just about $250 million a year. It's been a crazy journey. My wife and I um, met a long time ago, and or actually feels like a long it time ago. It wasn't that long ago. Yeah. How long ago was it? Seven, seven years? years? Yeah, seven. Yeah, but it's, yeah. a lot has happened since then. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the quick, the quick rewind up Thanks. to the present. So, I was... Uh, consulting bro who like did really well in school did the consulting job did my two years was going to go try and get into harvard you know scored really well realized that i wanted to be an entrepreneur in the two years of business school and the cost associated like i couldn't pencil it out i was like i could take that money and do two years probably make the same money or more so i decided to go that route um, i was 23 i opened my first gym in uh, california so i drove across the country um and opened a gym because that's what I thought I knew. Mm. Um, I didn't know anything, but I thought I knew a little bit about fitness, knew nothing about business. Um, and that was a rude awakening for me. Slept there on the floor for the first nine months and then um, was able to kind of figure it out as I went. I talked to gym owners every single weekend. I would fly out or drive out and just like harass them to teach me more about how to run the gyms. Mm. Learned a ton. And then uh, from there, every six months after the first nine months, I opened a new location um, until we had six. And uh, right around then is when uh, Layla and I met. So I had, I think, five locations when Layla and I met. I had just um, spoken at an event because they had heard that I opened each of my gyms at full capacity. So marketing guy had heard about this thing that I would do, which I would I'd run these big promotions and I'd pre-sell the whole thing and I would use the cash from the pre-sales to actually pay for the, the actual whole facility. So I never took cash out of pocket, which is why I was able to open them so fast. 
And um, he's like, dude, you got to speak at my event and tell how you did it. So I spoke at this event and after I got off stage and like, I was just hoping I wasn't boring people. Um, and I got mobbed. Like I've mm. never been mobbed. My, still to this day, I've never been so like, like people were in the bathroom with me. Like I was like, this is, this is a lot. Wait, what do you mean they were in the bathroom? Like I could, it took me an hour to get from the stage <clears throat> to the bathroom. Like so they were following hour. you into the oh, bathroom. they just want to ask you questions about business multiple, or like yeah, gym I, business? Yeah. Or? It was fitness, business, business in general, but mostly fitness stuff. Cause that's what I, I was like, here's how I'm getting, you know, 30 to one back on. I was like, every dollar I put in, I get $30 back and here's the ads. And I just, I didn't know how presentations work. So I was just like, this is what I do. And they were like, Hey, I want to sign up for whatever your thing is. And I was like, I don't have a thing. I'm just, this is just what I do. Like, these are, these are my numbers. This, and they're like, you have to have something. Can I, can I pay you for time? Can I, I was just like, no, I don't want to tell anybody what I'm doing. <laughs> like yeah. I just made this presentation go away, but I got like a hundred, like literally I had an Excel sheet for, to manage the hundred business cards I got from just that speech without wanting to. Um, and I met Layla, I want to say like that week. I think it was like right after, like literally the week after yeah. on Bumble. Okay. Yeah. On Bumble. Yeah. So you can probably pick it up from Bumble or yeah. you DM'd me, yeah. let yeah. the record show. That's how, yeah. back, you, how was your experience with Bumble, by the way? I mean, better like than Tinder. To, yeah. You know what I'm saying? What, what happened on Tinder? You can't just stand there. <laughs> Tinder Disgusting. Yeah. I mean, like it was just like inundated with photos that I didn't yeah. want to see. And so I was like, this is nasty. And Bumble was just coming onto the scene that, then, I think. Like it was fairly new still. And right. like my girlfriends that were like a little more classy told me about it. And I was yeah. like, oh, okay, I'm definitely going to do that. And so, you know, I'm on Bumble and I'm ironically like, I am in California. I had graduated college and I had graduated with a degree in exercise science. And then the day after I graduated, I drove, I like packed up my Prius and I drove out to California. And I was like, I'm gonna just, I got like a dumpy apartment that was like in the ghetto of mm. Costa Mesa. I then was like, I'm gonna get a job at a gym. So get a job at a gym. I applied to like literally every gym. I got accepted to all of them. And like, I didn't even work at one of the nice ones because in the beginning I was like, okay, well, when can I start making sales and money? And they're like, you have to go through a three month training program. And I was like, screw this. Like I need money now because I don't have money to pay for my apartment. And so I did that. And then I worked my way up to being one of the top sellers at the gym I was at. I then took my clientele, went to a private facility, would train them there and then started doing that plus online training because that was like right at the precipice of mm -hmm. when online was like starting. So I was like, you didn't need to know how to do anything and you could have people, you know, I was yeah. just like, you want to be my online client for $500 a month? Like it was just like so easy. Um, $500 a month? Oh yeah. Do you think that's a lot? Yeah. Oh, Oh, that's man. expensive. Is it for, for online? online personal training? Yeah. What? Personal what training. would what what does that entail yeah. exactly? I mean, how, like how many sessions? Yeah. Well, there's no sessions. There's no online. sessions. It's just like you know they have an online portal. You're doing their they, what what food they're supposed to be eating. You're giving them their workout regimen. Oh, it's so not like, like a video call. Like you're watching them work out. No. Yeah. Oh, it's just a, it. a schedule. Basically. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. It's a program. Okay. It was so easy back then. Okay. Yeah. So, anyways, you know, I'm doing that, and I'm like. I knew that I wanted to have a business one day. I just didn't know what it looked like. I knew it was some kind of fitness business. Mm -hmm. And dating out in California was tough because like I'm from the Midwest mm -hmm. and like I'm ambitious and I'm not, I'm not like a lot of the girls in California where it's like, you know, I'd be like, oh, I'm single. And they're like, you should be going on a date for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I was like, girl, what? Like I'm working, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I got on Bumble and I was like, my goal was every day at lunch, I would swipe the whole lunch. And that was just like my assignment to myself. And so I did that until I met Alex. But now why did you decide that that was the right time for you to find somebody? I didn't think it was. Okay. I just was like, I, one, I have no friends. Two, okay. all I do is work. Uh, I need to do, like, if I don't start now, I'm like, how long is it going to take me to find somebody? How old were you? 
23. And what was the objective of doing that? Was it to find like a lifelong partner or was it just to like, it was just. Honestly, it was just like somebody to have fun with. You know what I mean? Like it was like, I had no friends. I didn't know anybody out there. I was like, gosh, like I, I have to try, you know what right. I mean? Like find somebody that would just be cool to hang out with. Mm. Cause I felt like a lot of the guys I would meet, like I literally went on one date, I'll tell you this. I meet this guy, he's really cool. We go on this date, you know, I thought he was awesome. He like, you know, has good things going for him. He's like ambitious and stuff. And that was what I was looking for specifically. I want someone who's ambitious, who had like their own going for them. And the second date, he takes me to uh, Javier's. Oh God, if he's what watching Javier's? Oh, it's very fancy place. A very nice restaurant. Very nice okay. place. With like a couple of his friends. And I think, you know, everyone was like drinking a little bit. I barely did at that point. And at the end of the dinner, we like sidelined afterwards. And he was like, hey. And I was like, yeah. He's like, if you could just like not talk as much, that'd be great. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, I mean like, you know, like you look really nice. And like, if you were just like, you know, I want you to come to the dinner and like sit and like look nice. And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, we are not one in the same. And I was like, this is not going to work. As bluntly as that. Yeah. And that Holy was like, mackerel. that sums up my dating experience <laughs> in Newport Beach, California was like, oh. why can't you just shut the fuck up and look pretty. They want a that trophy, was what trophy wife. That's what everybody wanted. Okay. And I've just never been that person. You know what I mean? Like when I moved there, everyone's like, I'm trying to get clients, for example, and they'd be like, hike up your shorts, pull down your shirt. And I was like, what the? I was like, I will win off being so good at business, not off of showing off skin. Right. And that's just always what I've been. So that was my experience up until Alex was just a lot of that. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then I was like, all skin, all the yeah. <laughs> Pulled it down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got a question. So were you guys paying for Bumble Premium? Like the, the advanced one? I don't think that existed. No, it, it did. Not, it, it, did. did. It, it, it did? Just, I remember it had just like started. Really? I didn't because I was like, I don't need unlimited unlimited <laughs> looks. I was like, I'll play I'll play on steroids. I'll play Nashy, Natty. Okay. Like, okay. I'll go. Yeah. 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 And, and you were not paying for it as well? No. Interesting. Okay. So <laughs> you guys know Andre Jick, right? Yeah. Andre, yeah, yeah, the finance YouTuber. Mm -hmm. He basically came to me and he's like, hey man, I know you don't pay for apps because I have, you know, I got them all. And he said, but you should. It's a numbers game. And if you totally. just swipe and swipe and swipe, you have a higher chance of finding a right match. And they also show you who likes you if yeah. you pay for yeah. Tinder Platinum, which saves you copious amounts of time, right? And it's worth it if you average out your, you know, the value of your time and yeah. the time spent on the apps. If you don't have it, it's worth it. Yeah. So I think, I think I was it just, makes sense. We we're just both cheap. I think yeah, I was super cheap back then. So like, oh, okay. I just don't think I was like. Oof. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, do you remember swiping on Alex's profile? Mm -hmm. What was what that? Was it what, like? What yeah, set, yeah, what set, what set <laughs> that apart? Well, <laughs> it, it was a picture of a guy with a six pack. <laughs> oh my! God. No, yeah. that was the that's really a, that was in the, first the water. Yeah. You, yeah, in the water with sunglasses on. It was it was it was not like in the mirror. I was like okay. at the beach, okay. literally in the water, half submerged. So someone else took the picture. I was like, I was I had some floaty or whatever that I was like moving, and some just had a, like. Was Can you tell us? Was that a it was an old up? picture? Okay, which I realized when we yeah, met. No, no, yeah. yeah, so that was who it was. But it specifically it was like fitness and business. So uh -huh. it was like own five gyms, fitness, and then like something else. You you remember? Cheap bourbons, sure. expensive steaks. Cheap bourbons and expensive steaks. I can get behind that. Mm, yeah. Sure. But I was like, ooh, business and fitness. Like, that sounds like me too. So that was why I swiped. Yeah. And then he messaged me immediately after I messaged him and was like, we should get off the app. Let's talk on the phone. And that was actually what I appreciated the most is I was like, I'm so sick of these guys that have like so much time to waste. 
you know, like talking on these apps, not actually like moving forward to a date. I was like, this is just like lame. So I actually really appreciate that he wanted to talk on the phone. I said it once and I'll say it again. Henson razors have given me the cleanest and smoothest shave I've ever had in my entire life. Henson's a family run aerospace machine shop that has brought precision engineering to razors. The razors have a precisely built handle that securely holds the blade. This firm grip on the blade combined with an extremely precise extension means you'll get not only a safer, but a cleaner and closer shave. And if you're interested in shaving money, you're only gonna spend between three and $5 a year, which is way less than all of those other subscription services. No subscriptions, no proprietary blades, and no planned obsolescence. Only having to replace an inexpensive blade and not the whole cartridge, or in some cases, the entire razor, just makes sense. I personally hate the idea of waste, and when you combine that with the money you save with Henson, it's truly unmatched. Plus, it's fully metal and uses standard dual-edge blades that you could buy practically anywhere. Seriously, guys, we're going off script here, but since they sent us the razors, that's literally all I've used to shave, and I gotta say, it is the cleanest shave I've ever had in my entire life. When I run it over my neck, it doesn't even feel like I'm shaving. It just somehow the hair just disappears. <laughs> it's time to say no to subscriptions and yes to a razor that'll last you a lifetime. So visit hensonshaving.com slash iced coffee to pick the razor for you and use code iced coffee and you'll get two years worth of blades for free with your razor. Just make sure to add them to your cart. That's 100 free blades when you visit hensonshaving.com slash iced coffee and use code iced coffee at checkout. Thank you so much, Henson. And, and back, back to the, the podcast. Because I started on Tinder and I was like, oh, I do not want to be on here. Um, I went on one date without like talking to the girl first, just like via message or whatever. Yeah. And it was like the weirdest state of my entire life. And I was like, would you, I would pay you to leave. Can you please leave? <laughs> Anyways. Well, wait, can you tell us what went wrong with it? Oh God. It was, so I understand, this was the first date I went on after being in a five relationship. Okay. There were no apps. Like sure. I, I yeah. didn't know any of how this world worked. So I had texted with this girl or whatever. And I was like, hey, uh, I live in this, I lived in a really nice condo. Um, I was like, oh, there's like this whole pool thingy area. Like we can meet at my place and then we'll like go hang out there, grill, whatever. Middle of the day. So I wasn't trying to be, mm. you know, sketchy or whatever. I now realize that it is incredibly sketchy for a girl to just meet a guy in yes. his place on the Agreed. first date without a conversation. Right. So like that's who I was dealing with here. So she just shows up at my door. We, I let her in and I still only think about this in retrospect. And we have probably the most awkward no like weird exchange like i don't know what to talk to you about anything and then this is maybe like a 45 or 60 minute date and and then she was like hey do you have any food and i was like yeah i've got like leftovers <laughs> and she was like I was like do you want food and she was like yeah that'd be great she was like i've got i got to go up to la tonight for dinner and i was like and then it like became clear it was another date and so i was like okay so i'm lunch got it all right. So How do you I know like, it was another date? It, could, I could, couldn't it have you know, been like friends I, I or vibe. family? You know what okay, I mean? Like sure. I'm guessing she also was hungry in a different way. And that's why she was there <laughs> to eat okay. lunch. So anyways, I like literally heated up leftovers. I gave her a plate. <laughs> she ate it. Like she was hungry. She ate the whole plate. And then I was like, bye. You know, like. Did she not leave you a tip? I mean, I feel like I should have like, had one. Yeah. It's so, <laughs> a gratuity of some sort. So, that, that was my first yeah. online dating exchange. And I was like, this process is broken. How did you yeah. kick her out? 
I was like, she finished. I, yeah, yeah, she, she finished. finished. <laughs> she finished and then left, right? And, right? and so I was like, finish your plate. Um, so anyways, uh, that taught me a really important lesson, which is I was like, no more dates without a phone screen. And so um, I would get on and within two messages, I would say, hey, I have lunch at this time. I can call you at that time while I'm on my way. Like, what's your number? And Four out of five times, the girl would be like, thank God, like, I don't want to talk on these apps all day. And then one out of five times, it would be a ghost. (laughs) So that was my, like, my metric there. And so I would get on the phone, and I would just do a phone screen. So I was just like, hey, you know, how's it going? What's going on? Whatever, whatever. And so what happened, though, and I think the reason my, like, close rate was higher was that I would go to the date with, like, a first date out of the way. So we'd have, like, a 15 or 20-minute call. And so I'd be like, oh, yeah, right, because your brother, he's in Iowa, and he's a medical engineer. Yeah, 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 totally. And so there was just more rapport and more, like, feeling of familiarity. Mm. And so anyways, um, that became a mainstay in the process. And I would always do Froyo for the first date, if I could, to have a low commitment so we can back out in, like, five or ten minutes if it's, like, not good. Mm. And so that was... um, Anyways, that was my that was That's my bumble funny. dating. I have a funny Tinder story. I think I've told you this one, Jack. But I was trying to optimize for Tinder, yeah. and I noticed that maybe I'd only get a few matches a day. And gosh, this must have been like ten years ago. <laughs> I was swiping, and all of a sudden, I see like this blue, like this glowing blue profile. Oh yeah. I'm like, what? It's what is this? And it's a super like. Yeah. And so I screenshotted uh, yeah. it. And I Photoshop my main picture to be a super like because I think you're only so you allowed unlimited super likes on every single girl who swiped every on your account. every single one, and I went from getting maybe a few matches a day to hundreds, no and it lasted way. about two to three weeks, and then my profile was taken down. Oh, you got banned! I got banned. <laughs> That's smart, but though. This it worked. Brilliant. That's so good. Um, Anyway, yeah. yeah. So that's so we actually did uh we did Froyo for the first date, true to the true to the process. Oh. You know, stick to the process. Um very romantic. Yeah, and I actually so Layla actually got there first. Um and I was walking up from behind her and uh I I immediately was like shit because she has a full back tap. Um like back to back to tailbone. And I was like, No, this is not gonna be a good date. Um so like he walks up. Were you yeah. wearing and an open back? Yeah, yeah. Open back. yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't even think about it though, because like I got this thing, yeah. you know, ten years ago, whatever. It was I got it so long ago, and I was like when I was high, and like it, it is what it is. But um, he walks up in the back, and then he comes in the front, and like he's just like, hey, and I was like, oh god, I was like, oh. and he was like, you want to go in, get some pro? I was like, <laughs> I was like, let's knock this. Out. I like, you know what I, mean? yeah, I was like half smiling, right. like. Yeah. You know, like, hey, you know, and, and we go in and we're standing in line. I remember just looking at his face. And he was like, I don't think we talked. <laughs> he didn't talk. I'm dead serious. I think I don't think we talked. How do you have that confidence to not yeah. feel like you need to, like, you know, be energetic in a date? You know, I think it's supply demand. You Really? Yeah. So as long as you go on so many dates, it just doesn't you no longer feel wow. that antsiness. And like, but didn't you get a lot of that out in the phone call? In the, in the phone screening process? Yeah, I mean, there was yeah. definitely. Yeah, the phone screen went and actually Layla tried to cancel on the date. She did, but I. He, I told him I was sick, yeah. and he goes, "You're not sick." Yeah, I literally. <laughs> I was like, I was like, like, "How do you know? How did you know?" I was just like, "I've been selling for a long time." You know what yeah. I mean? I was like, "What gave it shit. away?" I could just. She didn't have conviction in, the, in, in her. <laughs> in her, sick. she's like, "Oh, well, I'm kind of sick." I was like, "You're on the phone with me." I was like, "You're not that sick." I was like, "I was, I was like, like, no, I really don't feel good." He's like, "Yeah, you're fine. We're going on the date tomorrow." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> Holy cow. That's a power move right there. Yeah. I kind of appreciated it because you know, <laughs> no, no, imagine you nobody would. ever pushes back on me. But yeah. so why, it's like, you, I'm why used to... did you feel the need to say you were sick? 
Like, what made you just hesitant about that? Yeah, I think I was hungover because I went out and partied the night before. God, so you weren't feeling well then. And I was like, oh, yeah. I just don't want to, you know, okay. do this. Like, what do I care? I was, sure. and like, listen, I've had so many bad dates at this point. Like, I'm pretty sure the one right before that, the guy like tried to sneak me into a movie without paying. Like, it was just like it was bad. He tried to sneak because <laughs> he wanted to save the like. He wanted to save money. <laughs> and how, did he did he end up doing it successfully? We got we went in. I was like, wait, don't we have the ticket? He's like, no, I have this special. Uh, <laughs> pass and i was like okay and you got in <laughs> and so we went in and then this security came up to us no and they were like you need to leave you snuck into the movies and i was like wait did you he's like oh i was just trying to save a few dollars and i was like <laughs> man like it was just like also, movie first date yeah. That's so, i don't know, I yeah, know yeah, yeah, part yeah, of me bad. thought that alex might be like a little bit of a sociopath when i talked to him so i was like i don't know like the way he's talking and everything <laughs> like it sounds a little sketchy yeah <laughs> so that was honestly like my inkling as well and then you know, turned out to be true. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> so what happened with the tattoos? You're in line and yeah. you're just not saying anything. So no, I mean, yeah, we weren't saying anything. And then I also tend to be a little bit of a hangry person. So like, if I don't eat for a while, um, I am not as friendly. Mm -hmm. um, and so I got, so I, you know, started a couple bites of froyo, got a little sugar in my system. Then I was like, all right, tell me about you. What's going? And then you know, it, it, it warmed up. You know okay. what I mean? And then and then we had a great conversation because she wanted to talk about business. And so I was like great and because m the vast majority of my dates was always just like me expending a lot of energy pretending to be interested in whatever they were saying um and i was like i don't have to pretend to be interested in what you're saying this is great we're gonna talk about what i want to talk about which mm -hmm. is business so i'll talk all day and so we talked for like four hours we like went on a walk for like two, we went walk like two something miles like mm -hmm. just talking and which i had also read was a way of increasing trust faster because people tr trust inherently people they travel with he so told me that while we were walking oh by the way. he's yeah, like listen to what i'm doing to you right i was now. like i'm increasing rapport faster I was like, let's go for a walk. <laughs> and was there a certain like aha moment where you were on the date and you're like, okay, this is good. We, you check all the boxes and we're good to go. There had to have been for you because you came to my car right after. Yeah. 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 So we, I had to go to a dinner, um, just a friend's dinner. And uh, I was like, hey, I actually need to buy steak and stuff for this dinner I'm going to go. So I was like, want to grocery shop with me for like 30 minutes? Because we were like in a retail shopping center. Yeah, summer. got it. And she was like, okay. And so then we shop for like the last 30 minutes or what 20 minutes whatever it was to to get the steaks and then i was like hey this was fun let's do this again and then he called me that night yeah and then we talked for like three hours yeah. three hours yeah. yeah and then after that the thing the thing that made this that business yeah you're talking about just business. all business I, honestly we talked about a lot of stuff i think yeah, in the very fair. beginning like views on everything in life essentially you know yeah. what i mean like just yeah. perspectives in general. Yeah. yeah yeah okay 100 was there anything romantic <clears throat> at that point or at, it was mostly just like hey we hit it up you're smiling and you're shaking your head and you're smiling. I was thinking about in the pool. Do you remember Dude. what I said? Oh, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, No, there was not romantic vibes in the beginning, which is like weird because like we're like physically a very compatible match and everything. But like I think we were just like for me at least, I was like, it's just so nice to talk to someone that I actually want to talk to. Like I was like, I want to keep talking to this person. I'm just so interested. That was the word. It was like I'm so interested, mm -hmm. more interested than I am concerned with like anything else. Yeah. Like, yeah. And what was it that you said in the pool? <laughs> uh, so it was our second date? Yeah, it was our second date. Right? Yeah. Um, and we were in the pool, and I was just surprised because I think by then we'd gone on to, this is our second date. This is our second date. And he didn't try to kiss me on the first date. And then we're on the second date, and we're like in the pool playing around. I'm in a bikini. And he didn't try and kiss me or anything. And I was like, I don't understand. Why is this guy not trying to kiss me? So I literally looked at him, and I was like, I just feel like I just kind of gets his friend vibes and he was like i had never seen all of a sudden his face turned from like a super friendly to like you're gonna f 
learn. <laughs> and he was like, friend? And then he like threw his head back and chuckles and he was like, I'll show you. You know, like. Oh my gosh. It was, it was like a, it was, I said it. Never that a trigger point is to be a friend. Oh no, yeah. never. It was so funny. Yeah. Not once in my entire life had a girl said, I get friend vibes from you. <laughs> ever. Like, ever. <laughs> and so to me, it was like, this is the funniest. Like, I I laughed like a psychopath when I heard that because I was like, that is the funniest thing. He ever. wouldn't stop laughing. And I was like, and then I got kind of scared. I was like, <laughs> I, was like <laughs> I don't know what I said wrong. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, <laughs> yeah. The yeah. resolution? Yeah. We resolved that we were not friends. Uh, you know, that was, that was. He kissed me. Made my intentions good. good. Nice. Um, but yeah, but I mean, the I think that the thing that was interesting for me at least was that the word that she used, interested, was the same one that I had. I was like, she's just interesting. Like I, I enjoyed talking to her. I wanted to keep talking to her. Um, and I didn't feel like there was a lot of effort on my part to like keep conversation going or anything like that. And so um, what pretty much after that first date, we hung out every day. And so it was much more like, uh, and we didn't go on dates. I was just like, I'm going to be working all day. You can work next to me if you want. And she was like, sure. And so that was what we did. And so we pretty much just like started living life together. Mm. Like as soon as we, as soon as we met and there wasn't a lot of like relationship stake because within the first week of us, of us being together, I was like, you should, you should quit your thing and work with me. I was like, even if I remember saying, I was like, even if this doesn't work out or like, I don't come with the deal, like this is employment. This is what I would pay. And it'll be whatever you're pay, getting paid. Cause I know like if you can sell, like we can make a ton of money together. Mm -hmm. And that, so I, just, I was not receptive at first. Yeah. She was not receptive. At first. Why is that? But we just, met. we just yeah. met. I mean, you know, <laughs> that's it. It's all your eggs in one basket. It was like a week into it. Yeah. And career. In yeah. At the same time. Yeah. 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 And, you know, he pointed out that like everyone's, he, you know, the options that I had were like people trying to basically like monetize me. Yeah. And he's like, you're bringing everything to the table. And then he's like, but come work with me. And I was like, well, he's like, yeah, but you'll make way more money. So it took like a few weeks. You know? Yeah. Okay. I mean, and that was where I was like, I have this new idea. And that's because I just spoken at that event to go full circle. So I just spoken at that event. I had all these business cards and I was like. I think I can make some money doing this, like just figuring out how to like help other people like launch their gyms. And so I, um, I was like, I'm gonna start this thing called gym launch. And, uh, like the next time she came over, like I had all the docs and the bank accounts and everything, like it was all set up. And she was like, like you're going to do it. I was like, yeah, I said I was going to do it. Like, let's go do it. But she still wasn't like sure. Cause she had a full book of business. It takes like a year or two years sometimes to build up a full like training yeah. roster. And so she already had that. So it would be like significant cost or risk to walk away from that. And so I was like, well, I'm going to go do this and I'll come back and let you know how it goes. And so I called her every night while I was doing these launches. And so I did three launches in like, I want to say like six weeks, something like that. It was like two and a half weeks. It was <laughs> definitely longer than I was dead. I was at Josh's for two and a half weeks and I did three launches. So I feel like it was two weeks. It was like six weeks. And okay. so, and then I flew back and she picked me up from the airport and she was like, you have to take me on a date. That's the, cause I hadn't taken her on a date. And yeah. I'm like, I was like, I need to set some standards here, which is like, you know, we've been going to Panda Express and Chipotle every night. And like, as nice as those are, I was like, we should go do something that's like cute and fun. Chick you know, flowers. <laughs> Where did you guys go on the date? <laughs> The cliff in Laguna Beach. Yeah. Okay. And as, as she picked me up, I was like, hey, I know I promised you we were going on a date. You got to do this one thing first. And she was like, dude, seriously? She was like dressed up, ready to go. And I was like, just. So I poured her a glass of like whiskey or something. And then I poured me, myself one and I taught her how to process payments. Mm -hmm. And so I took out this fat stack of contracts. And I was like, can you just help me process all these? And so we processed, like 45 minutes later, we had processed like 120 grand or something like that um, in an hour. 
and uh, I knew what I was doing. And so I was like, so like, you want to do this thing with me? And uh, the first question she yeah. asked me was, is this legal? <laughs> I didn't know. You know, you also have to understand context, which is like Alex's apartment at the time, for example. Like you walk in and it's like pristine, clean with like pictures of animals and killing positions on the walls. And then like Dollars. in the no. fridge, it's just like Diet Coke and yogurt. And he drinks egg whites out of a carton while he's drinking whiskey. Like, you know, I'm like questionable. What taught you that that was a normal way of like life? Well, I didn't think it was a normal way of life, but I didn't want a normal life. You um, knew it. Well, yeah, I mean, I had I had Coke Zero, I had Red Bull, I had uh, Greek yogurt that was 0%, and I had egg whites, and then I had uh, Johnny Walker Black. Is and Coke Zero that unhealthy? Because I've been getting into Diet Coke lately, and I hear, like, a lot of people tell me, like, it has, what do they call, carcinogens in How it. smart are those people? Sorry. I don't know. <laughs> That's the thing, you know? I, I, I know nothing about nutrition, yeah. so anybody's probably let's, smart compared Let's to blow up the comments. It's fine. It's fine. You can <laughs> smoke it's one cigarette a week and it wouldn't be unhealthy right? for you. Sure. Really? Yeah. You can drink water all day. Great. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's also better to like not drive in cars, only walk everywhere. Like don't smoke. Don't see people like live in a bubble your whole Rub life. Rub your face in the and dirt every morning. Not live. But if a co if drinking a Coke Zero is the thing that you're like most concerned about in your life and you're doing everything else, you know what I mean? The big obvious stuff. Like the people who are upset about like Diet Coke and Coke Zero are the ones that like don't even work out. I'm like, dude, why don't you just like shut the fuck up? <laughs> and you're, you're a very clean person just in general i'm neat i'm very i'm like i'm tidy i don't okay. like stuff out well you pick up after me so now it's now like my <laughs> now you don't have night. to be yeah, yeah. you know but yeah. like with myself like I, I i would i would spend a very a lot of effort to not make a mess so i wouldn't have to clean so i would like eat over the sink the same cup you know that's what plates. i did yeah because i didn't want, thing. I didn't want one plate everywhere. yeah one fork one spoon one bowl that's it i just wash it as soon as i'm done with simple it. life yeah it I worked out it. fine yeah. and i would always just put water on it and yeah. as soon as i would as soon as i would eat the next meal i would just because it was like yeah, it was easy, yeah exactly one wipe and then i'd put that's my funny i did the, the exact same thing dude it worked yeah. fine and then i had all the the animal pictures on the wall of like in killing and attack positions because like i was really hardcore at the time like more than I am now. Um, and I was just like, I always want to be reminded that I'm either the predator or the prey. I was pretty. <laughs> I can't um, even. He told me this. Doesn't that you? make you feel like the prey now? Like, <laughs> the I was like, positions. well, I'm not the prey. <laughs> yeah. No, I couldn't even take it seriously. I was like, I remember he told me and I started laughing and he was like, what? And I was like, what? <laughs> you know, like I just, yeah. I don't know. I thought it was quirky. Yeah, it was only quirky. But I was like, it wasn't for her. You know what I mean? It was yeah. for me. And so for me, it was like, if I didn't want to work or whatever, I would just like everything around me was like, keep going. You know what I mean? And so, and that was the stage I was in business wise. Like I was very much in the, like, I have to, I have to grind. I have to work a lot uh, phase. And so I just, and that's why it worked out with us because I, I didn't, the biggest thing that biggest reason I believe that are among the biggest reasons is that Layla never tried to change me. And that was something that I felt like was a constant in the majority of the other relationships that I had was like, you're here, I'm here, let's meet in the middle. And that's why I have such strong stances on compromise because mm -hmm. I like, I don't think you can compromise on you. You know what I mean? And so I always felt like I had to be less than or a different version of myself in order to like make the relationship work. And um, I also was in a season where like I just gotten out of a long relationship. So I was like, I'm not really bending the knee to anyone for yeah. anything. Like I'm not compromising. If you don't like my schedule, then cool. Like I'm not gonna stop living how I live. And so she just kind of like oriented herself around me and it worked just amazingly well. And I got to do what I want to do all day, which yeah. is work. And it was now, great. How did you feel about that? Did you feel like you needed to compromise or, or bend a little bit to fit Alex or how, what was your side of things on that? No, honestly, yeah. I think we got really lucky because yeah. 
I was kind of always the same way, which is like, I'm not going to like be less of myself and like less ambitious and less career oriented for a man because that was what typically they wanted of me. So I actually really liked the fact that he wanted to work all the time because I was just finally somebody that didn't tell me like, oh, you need to go do your hair and look pretty. Like it was someone who was like, yeah, you should learn how to do this. Like, let's build a fucking business. Like, let's do all this stuff. Like, I just love that he believed in me so much. And I think most men that I dated up until that point Sure, I'm sure they believed in me, but I don't think that they wanted me to ever be any better than I was because they were worried that it would be better than them. Where do you think that independence came from? Have you always been like that? Was it an upbringing? Was it a, a I think it was a couple that, things. Yeah. Uh, one, you know, like having one of my parents separated um, and I lived with my mother, she basically was an absent parent, uh, just, you know, alcohol and all that stuff. And so for a period of time, it was kind of like I raised myself, like nobody was there kind of have to learn how to do things for yourself. For context, because Layla won't say it, like Layla would be alone for days or weeks at a time mm -hmm. as like a nine-year-old, like a different vibe. You know what I mean? Just for context here. Yeah. yeah. Um, but either way, I think it was that plus then when I finally moved in with my dad, when they figured out like that my mom was not fit to be a parent, um, my dad, he's always just instilled like a huge sense of like, you need to have your own career. You need to make your own money. Like you need to be self-sufficient as a woman. Um, and he's always very adamant about that for me and my sister. So I think it was hearing that as I'm growing up, like that is the priority. And I think what a lot of women hear is the priority is like, you're gonna have a family and you're gonna have kids. And like, that's what you do. Versus like my dad was like, you make money, you have a living of your own, you have a career, like that's what you do. And so if you're told that enough times, I think that becomes kind of your frame of the world. Mm. I remember, I think it was either the first or second time we had you on, you said that there are two different you know, relationship structures that work well. And yeah. one is like, we're in the trenches together, we're grinding it out. Yeah. <clears throat> the other one is the cheerleader and the football player, yeah. right? And what is your sentiment towards this? You said that we're in the trenches together is more powerful, it's harder to break, and it's just a better overall relationship is kind of what you were hinting at. Divorce rates for people who have made a dollar together in a business they started um, is 10%. So it's significantly lower. And I think maybe that's because there's like, in order to even get to that first dollar together with somebody, like there's a lot of other things that have to be aligned. And then you also have this post-commitment kind of bias where you both want to keep this thing alive and you're mm -hmm. both working together towards like a shared mission or goal. And so I think there's just a lot of alignment that happens there. And there's also a lot of um, context. And so one of the things that I think happens in many relationships is that people get exposed to different stimuli and then they adapt to those stimuli and then they grow apart just because of the nature of just stimulus response, right? And so if you're both in the same business together, you're being exposed to the same stressors and then you you can grow together in the same direction. And I think at least for us, that's been our experience rather than having to like, we just have a shared mission and so we're on it together. I think it's um something we were talking about the other day is, you know, we were talking to a guy and he was talking about wanting an open relationship. And I come from the air of like, I'm not the kind of woman who's like, oh, my husband should never look at a lot. He never looks at another woman. I'll, I assume that Alex looks at other women because he's a man. Like that is what men do. And that's like how we're wired. Like we're humans, right? That's a human thing. And I think what I subscribe to is that if you want a relationship to last, then you have to create more reasons to stay with the person than to not, because there's always reasons not to be with somebody. Freedom, autonomy, you wanna go bang other people, whatever it is, right? It's like we have all these human instinctual things that are pulling us in one direction. Can you create more reasons within your relationship to stay with that person? So if you work together, if you're on the same mission together, if you have the same values, if you both like fitness and nutrition and like yeah. all these things, those are all the arguments as to why you wanna be with that person. And I think what happens, a lot of relationships, they just don't have much of an argument. It's like, cool, we like each other and that's it. 
Like I can go f 10 other people. And then there's nothing else in common. They're not on the same mission. They have nothing else to argue. So when things are hard, your mind is gonna go, why am I with this person? It's like, I have a million reasons why I'm with Alex. If we ever have a hard day, it's like it, that the thought of exiting doesn't even cross my mind because there's so much overwhelming evidence yeah. as to why it makes sense to stay. Don't you think it complicates things to also be in business that maybe now financially you, you have an incentive to stay together? I think I mean, it absolutely complicates yeah. things in terms of like there are more there are more layers to the relationship, yeah. but I also think that to the same degree they can compound and become even, you become even, you have more potential <laughs> for disruption, but also more more potential for alignment. So I'll say this, which is like me and Alex, when we were dating, we broke up for six weeks. Mm -hmm. um, and we, we talked about in the very beginning of our relationship, like if we're gonna get into business together and do this together, then we need to know what it would look like if we weren't together. Yeah. And so when we broke up, we both uphold our end of the bargain. Like we were great partners to each other without being in a relationship. And so like, I look at it like this, which is like, if you have to worry about the exit, then you shouldn't be with the person. I don't worry about that with Alex. And I, I even, we talked about this the other day. I was like, it would, we would just do that again. You know what I mean? Like it would be amicable. And so I think if you have to worry about what it would look like, like oh, we're going to fight over money and do this stuff. It's like, then don't be with the person. Why did you guys break up? Was that on purpose to, to it was it was mostly me it? yeah no okay. no not to test it no it was, <laughs> like it hey was, we should test freaking i want to see what it's like see how it goes no i had so at the time this is like this was probably like during the hardest 90 to 120 days of probably my like career besides going out on my own and like starting the gym like that was very hard for me but this was like the next hardest season because like i had lost all the money because of a partnership that person had taken the money out of the account is the whole thing. So I'd lost basically all the money I'd had from opening and scaling all the gyms. So like when I met her, I felt like I had high status because I had five gyms and I was successful when I was doing these things. And then I lost everything. And then my mom got in an accident. And then so she was uh, at the hospital. And then I got a DUI and a head-on collision. Um, all within a matter of like a month and a half. Yeah. And I just like... And I, and I still had a partnership for a chiropractor agency, a partnership for a dental marketing agency. I was doing the actual launches, flying out, not at home, doing these launches. And then I still had my five gyms at home. And so I was so spread thin and I had so much emotional noise that was going on that I was like, she actually came to me. She almost like broke up with herself. She was like, do you want to not do this? And I was like, yeah, that's fine. That was literally the conversation. I was like, do you want to just not do this? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, okay. Hmm. How long into the relationship was this? Well, we were living and traveling together at this point. We were wow. in in Virginia. <clears throat> we were in a different state launching a gym there together. And uh, Seven months in? Yeah, somewhere in there. Seven? Now, yeah. how do you feel like a relationship complicated things for you at that time versus just being a business partner? Was it well, vulnerability just, or dynamic. just, just okay. time? It was, no, it's just like there's another dynamic. You know, if we were just business partners, there's not like another dynamic of the relationship you have to take okay. care of. You know what I mean? And what was that like for you going through all of those within a month and a half? How did you come out of that? Better. <laughs> I mean, I just, I How honestly, did I did it? not have attention. That's all like, so that was what I identified was that I was just way too spread thin. And so I, I mean, I say this a lot, but like a lot of times, like the life you want is on the other side of a few hard conversations. Mm -hmm. And so I knew I shouldn't have been in those partnerships, like multiple of them. I was still in the partnership with the guy who had taken all the money. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I was so afraid of confrontation. And so I was like, we need to end this. 
and I was in another partnership and I was like, I need to end that. And then I was in, an, I was in three different partnerships across those different companies and I ended all of them. And the difficulty for, I knew it was going to be a hard conversation because I was the one who was for the, I mean, I was, there was, I was the one who was bringing the money in. And so it, it didn't, didn't change my life, but I knew it was going to change theirs if I left the, the dynamic of the relationship. Yeah. And so um, that's why I was dreading those conversations. And, and so anyways, I had all those conversations. I, you know, cut back on my drinking significantly and then just try to like focus on the thing that was in front of me, which was like, this was actually Layla. She was like, dude, the gym launch thing works. Like we should just like focus on that. And uh, I was like, all right, let's do that. And so I'd lost all the money. And then Layla went to launch this big gym in Hawaii. And this, and it ended up being, and so one of the reasons that we got back together was that I never could rely on anyone. And so it was like, it was always, Alex has to save the game, right? And I, and I was accustomed to doing that. I'd done it over and over again in the business, whatever. And so when she flew out to Hawaii, I basically was like, you need to make this work. Like you have to crush this launch. And I didn't have that much money left. And it cost 10 grand to like put her up in Hawaii for it was like six weeks or whatever, like hotels, airfare in Hawaii is expensive. And so she was splitting a house with five guys and it was still like 250 a night, um, but it was all I could like really afford. And so we launched this gym in Hawaii. And then in that time, she set the all-time record for sales. And so it was like at a time that was probably pretty difficult for her, you know what I mean? Like we had just broken up. What's my future look like? What am I going to do with this guy? You know, whatever. And she's in another state in the middle of the ocean. Um, and I was like, you have to come through. And she did. And so it was one of those times where like most people had always wilted under pressure, but like Layla was hard as fuck. And I was like, man, wherever I'm going, I know that I need someone like that with me because I know where I want to go and the life that I want to lead is not going to be normal. And so I need somebody who can handle that kind of pressure mm -hmm. and she crushed it. And so we talked every night while we, I mean, just to show, like, we yeah, weren't like sure. malicious. We talked every night still about the business, things that we were improving, et cetera. And she came back and that cash was what I was able to put into all the refunds at this gym that I basically had to shut down. That was my number six that that other guy was supposed to partner with me on yeah. and then he dipped or whatever. So I had to put, I basically had to float payroll, rent, everything without bringing in new sales, basically just out of my savings, which sucked. Um, and so all that cash went to there. And so... That was that was when she came back. I was I was in a better place. I'd like cleaned up a lot of these like hard conversations I needed to have. And she had just like stood tall throughout the whole time. And so I think what happened at that point is that Layla earned my respect. And so like up not that I didn't respect her before, but like she had earned the respect. Mm -hmm. Like independent. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, oh yeah, we're gonna do this thing together and you're a girl that I'm with. It was like I would do this with you even if we weren't together. Yeah. And I think that was the pivot. What kept you going, Layla, through that? Like what what motivated you at that point to work so hard? I think I've always worked really hard. Yeah. And so it was just like I kind of like the moments when it's like you either like it's an inflection point, right? Where it's like, I could give up and I know what my life might look like. I'll go back home. I've got to go pick up training again. I've got to go do all the stuff. Or I can fucking like pull some strength out of myself and like crush it here. And I think that I was looking for an opportunity to show him what I was capable of, because I think also like Alex didn't trust me fully, I think, to that extent yet, like in terms of like decisions, you know, like my input, nothing at that point. And I felt yeah. like I want to show him like I'm really fucking capable. And I remember thinking that to myself, like he doesn't understand, like I'm not, I get it, like I can do this. And I think 
I looked at it as like, I want to show him what I'm really made of. And so it worked. Yeah. And then, I and think, if I didn't, then yeah. I would have still made a lot of money. So it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yes. I mean, yeah. when she came back, I think the dynamic of the relationship was just, it was different. It was better. It was just like, all right, like game recognized game. Like, yeah. all right, what do you think about this? You know, so it was much more like before that, it was very much like, this is what we're going to do. This is the plan. And after that, it started being like, what do you think about this? This is where I'm, this is where I'm at. Like, give me your two cents. And so then, and then it became much more of a partnership. Yeah. So that was a big aha moment, basically. Totally. That one was. Yeah. Whatever happened to the guy who stole the money? Were there any red flags that led up to that <laughs> so moment? How much money? So did many he red steal? flags. Yeah. yeah. Can you say? Oh, I mean, so I'll tell you what what I what I what I was told, which yeah. was that I, you know, I, I confronted him, was like, hey man, like you just drained the bank account, which is where I put all my savings to start this new thing together. And so he had said, Hey, like, well, I'll give the, the 60 second story was I was launching all these gyms. We were filling them up and he was like, dude, you're leaving all this money on the table. And me being the distracted entrepreneur that I was, I was like, yeah, I'm leaving all this money on the table. I should be owning all these gyms that I'm launching. And he's like, dude, you launch a new gym every month and I'll just come behind you and I'll, I'll staff it up and run it in that way. And we'll just split it 50, 50. And I was like, cool. I don't want to run them. Like I'll just keep launching them and open it. So that was the deal. Um, but what ended up happening? So I launched this gym. We murdered the launch. Um, like, 370 something people signed up, which is really big for like a gym launch. And, uh, and I was like, all right, man, like you ready to run the thing? He was like, oh no, I've got my location. You handle that one. And I was like, whoa, no, 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 no. Like I already had my five locations. Like this is not my game anymore. I'm not running gyms anymore. Like I already, I've graduated from that. Like I'm not mm -hmm. doing this. Um, and so we had some stickiness and then I woke up one day and all the money from that gym that I'd done 300 plus and each one of those is like, six, you know, five, $600, uh, times three seventy. So there's a good amount of money in the account plus the money that I'd put in to like open it, get things going, et cetera. Um, it was all like gone. And, uh, I was like, dude, what that? He's like, I know you've been skimming. And I was like, what? He's like, I'm just taking my half. He's like, cause I know you like, you have already taken out the other half. I was like, dude, I know I haven't, I haven't. And so I, went to a coach and the coach was like, just show him the math. He's like, just print out the bank statements and go line by line. I was like, okay. So I printed out the bank statements and I went line by line and highlighted everything. And I was like, Hey, let's meet up. Um, and he was like, Oh, I don't want to see that. And as soon as he didn't want to look at the math, yeah. that's when I knew that I had been played. Yeah. And so at that point, and the crazy part is like, were there red flags? He'd already been indicted for fraud. I already knew this. And he was like, it was a misunderstanding. And I believed him. And that's one of those, like, you know, the, 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 what's the, the, the saying, uh, when experience meets money and money meets experience, you know, the experience gets the money and the money gets the experience. Mm. That was very much my, I got the experience. So mm. lesson learned. But the thing that like, I would say as a, as a kudos for Layla is that Layla has like, Layla's people picker is it's dead on. Like I, since we've been together, like in a lot of the reasons that my, you know, my business has grown since meeting Layla versus before is that she's such a good judge of character. Mm -hmm. Like I trust people more easily and I tend to be overly giving. And when I met Layla, it was like this kind of, yin I needed the yang, you know what I mean? I needed someone to balance my like over optimism, over trust, like, yeah, yeah let's do something. I need someone to be like, do you see him like re there? She's like, that was yeah. off. I'm really curious about that. How? Do, what do you look for? Is it is it just subconscious? Is it is it a feeling you get? What what red flags stand out the most to you? I I honestly don't know. I mean, okay. it's just like instinctual. I guess it's different with every person. Like with that guy, it was like the moment I met him, I was like, he just seems like a crook. Like, 
And it, you also have to look at like situational context, which sure. is Alex is, when I met Alex and I, I was like, this is a very bright guy who is surrounded by people that are taking advantage of him, who don't necessarily mean that, they don't mean to take advantage of him, but they can't help it because he's smarter than them and he's better than them. And so they're all getting the better end of the deal. Like he's doing more work and he's smarter than them, bringing more to the table. And it was really obvious to me. And I remember thinking like, cause I've always considered like a lot of the, I've been a great supporter for people. And so I saw that and I was like, he just needs somebody that like really believes in him and like can advocate for him like rather than him doing that for other people. And so seeing that guy and like meeting him, I think I, I just didn't trust the, I don't know. It might, I have no idea what it is, honestly. I wish, I can't put words to it because I don't know what it is, but like, honestly, it might be because I pride myself on my character. Mm -hmm. So like my father has insanely good character. I've always prided myself around like, I can't be the smartest person in the room, but like I can have really great character. And so I look for that in people more than anything, more than like smarts, more than intelligent, like anything, I look at character. And so I think it's just, if you look at something all day, you hire for it, you filter your friends for it, you don't talk to family because of it, like it's just forefront of mind. I mean, I was just gonna add that, um, like I, a lot, I had every one of the businesses I had started up to that point, except for my very first gym, um, which I very quickly brought partners into, um, I always had this like fear of doing it on my own. Right. So I always just wanted someone there. Um, and when I look back on my business trajectory, like all the businesses that I just did on my own, I made a ton of money <laughs> and all the ones that I partnered on, I made not a lot of money and was terrible. Mm -hmm. And so like, you know, if, if you go in 10 relationships and everyone's terrible, it's like, it might be you. So I might've been a bad partner, which is very possible yeah. or pick bad partners or a combination of those things. But, um, I think when Layla and I partnered up, I trusted Layla. Um, and I actually automatically, even in the first, you know, when I went to go travel, like in the very beginning to go try this gym launch thing out, I gave her all my bank account passwords. I told her to go pick up the cash from all my facilities every week. And so she would be handling like 11 grand every week <clears throat> and just cash that she would just like pick up from all the, she'd just drive around and pick up mm -hmm. envelopes of like hundreds and whatever. And she just, you know, and she was just depositing them for me because she was like, this guy's ridiculous. Yeah. And to be fair, it is kind of ridiculous, but like, I just felt like I could trust her. Yeah. Did you ever get sketched out that you're picking up envelopes of cash and depositing them on, on Alex's behalf? Like that could have been a thing where like, now you take the, the fall for it. <laughs> no, yeah. I don't think so. I think I thought more that it was ridiculous. I'm like, why would you give this to me? Like I've, yeah. you've known me for a sure. week. Like that's not a smart idea. And he was like, I just know I can trust you. And I, yeah. to myself, I'm like, well, obviously you can trust me, but like, how do you know? You know, it's only been a week. Yeah. So you kind of lucked out in a sense of like, you had kind of been taken advantage of by totally. other partners time and time again. And then just one random time you over trusted another person like you had in the past, but it had been the right person and, and they helped you. Just for the record, like I don't, I, I, I wish no ill intent and even the guy that, that, that took everything, like, I hope he's doing better. Um, I, and I think a lot of those partnerships that didn't work, it's not like a, I wouldn't even describe it as them. I mean, Layla uses stronger language because she was on the outside, but on the inside, like, I don't think anyone had malicious intent. I think that everyone came with skill sets and I think that I tended to have more money-making skill sets, you know, at the time and it worked out that way. But like, I wish all those people, you know, positive success, you mm -hmm. know, since then. The question, when you talk about money-making skill sets, mm -hmm. like what exactly were those skill sets that were your money-making ones? Was it like business acumen, just raw intelligence? Was it like no, experience? I knew how to market, I knew how to sell. It was marketing and selling. In the beginning, I mean, that's what you need. You gotta know how to market, you gotta know how to sell. Because if you can't do that, then there's no point in, like you can't get people to try your thing unless you get someone to buy it. 
And so it's like, that's the first thing you need is you need to learn how to promote and you need to learn how to sell. After that, then by all means, fix the product, get it better, improve it, et cetera. And then that becomes a much stronger force. But in the beginning, you gotta learn how to promote. And what were the biggest contributors to that exact money-making skill set, the marketing and selling? Was it reading or experience? No, or I mean, it was, uh, I would go to, I went to a workshop in 2013 and the guy taught Facebook ads in a weekend. And so I learned how to run Facebook ads and I was like, all right, I can. It wasn't as simple as that though. Like I'm sure you probably did tons no, of No, I mean, it was, it was, it was as simple as that. Like, really? I went there and he was like, here's how you run an ad. And I was like, okay. What year did, was this? 2013. Yeah, that's oh, that's on. why when no yeah. one was doing oh, Facebook I, ads. Yeah, I was oh, so yeah. early. Yeah, I've been very, like, there've been a lot of things. Like I've been very lucky. You know what I mean? Like I'm at Layla. There are not many Layla's. Like I recognize that not many. There are not many girls who are Persian, who are into fitness, who love business, who want to just work all the time and build something epic. Like a lot of girls will say that because they want you to like them and be with them, but they don't actually want that because then they're always like, "Hey, you've worked enough. Like, let's go do this thing." Or blah, blah, blah. like, if I'm working or if I'm like editing the book and it's like four days straight, it is what it is. Like this is, this is my life. This is what I love doing. And we just made it work that way. But like, anyways, all that to say, like, I've been very lucky in that way. And I was lucky at, at that, you know, for, for that workshop, which was only recommended to me by chance by another guy that I was mm. supposed to partner with. And he backed out the night before, which is why I got the full gym rather than a 50, 50 split on my first one. Like there's a lot of things that I lucked out on. And so like, you know, I was born, you know, my dad's a doctor. Like I was lucky with that. I, you know, like there's a lot of things that I lucked yeah, out on. It's interesting. I don't picture you as someone nor you really who necessarily believes in luck. So it's interesting you mm. say that. I think I can be put into a condition that has a higher likelihood of a probable, like a positive outcome, for sure. If I were born in Bangladesh, like same everything, the likelihood that I'd be here, significantly lower. Possible, yes. Likely, significantly less likely. What do you think, think about that, Layla? I think there's just things that you can't control. Yeah. And so it's like by happenstance, it's like handed to you. Yeah. And so like I think about we talk about like meeting each other because people are like, how do we get a relationship like yours? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't have an answer because I think we're really lucky to have met each other. And, and I don't think that this relationship dynamic would work for a lot of other people that either of us would have met. Yeah. So nor is it common. It's like, how could we control to make that circumstance happen? You can't really like you can, yeah. you know, try and it's a numbers game and all that. But like, think how many other people I know because they send me screenshots are trying to find their Alex and Layla on Bumble and they can't. And so it's like, there's things like that, that, just happen and you're like you just got to take the cards you dealt you know and be yeah. grateful for it it's but, interesting because yeah. i think that like the single great the, the single most important decision that you make of all the decisions in life is who you spend your life with like as your significant other and if you look at all the stats in terms of amount of time spent with people like time spent with family basically drops off at 25 like it's very very low after that time spent with siblings same thing time spent with spent with friends starts dropping off at like 30 pretty aggressively um and then the two that increase a lot for the majority of your life are time spent with spouse is number one and then in between those is time spent with coworkers. Mm -hmm. So your coworkers matter way more than your friends do in terms of hours per day. So like where you work is actually incredibly important for your overall, like your subjective well-being. But like there's one person that you're going to spend the rest of your life with if you believe in marriage. And like the strength of the relationship you have with your significant other has a 0.71 correlation to your overall subjective well-being. So more than anything, how well you get along with the person you spend all your time with, which makes sense. You spend the majority of your time with this person. And so... I think that if there's ever something to be obsessive over, it would be that. You saw that chart on Twitter, huh? Which? The chart, the X and Y, and then you have, it, it was so basically a bunch of line yeah. graphs. Who, who posted that? Seal Bloom. 
What is that? It was uh, it was this thing sure. that I saw on Twitter, and yeah. it basically, it was just obviously X and Y, yeah. and then you had a line, and yeah. it's age, yeah. and then it each different Time's line done. had a different color, showing you know different groups of people you you would spend your time yeah. with yeah. children like you said coworkers spouse and it shows over time and they obviously all average up to 100 on yeah. the on the y axis and it just shows the lines yeah. change it's over a great time. account go follow him yeah. yeah yeah he's got great stuff and that so like it just further proves the like at least for me mm -hmm. you know what i mean like Caleb's here and he knows but like i will buy 60 pairs of shorts and wear all of them to figure out which one is the one that i like the most i'll buy 40 pairs of barefoot shoes to figure out the one that I like the most. Like I do that with everything. Can you say, cause everyone was asking the last time you came on the podcast. No, I won't. You I will won't. not say they the company. To my, they haven't responded to my DM. No, I'm not. Really? After Is there the any way we I've can get them? somehow put them in t touch with you? Like I feel like if we if we say it publicly, people will bombard them. <laughs> they don't get back to hormones. You shout them out once and everyone, the it's mob will I already go did. I did one time. Still you shouted them out? Yeah, I did. I did. They didn't respond. And where could people find it? What? You can find it on my Instagram and, and oh YouTube my shorts. It's on okay. Got yeah. it. Lord. Okay. Yeah. So I want to ask a, a just a general relationship question. So yeah. I I believe that there are mainly three pillars to a successful relationship, okay. such as shared values, cool. shared interests, and just raw chemistry. Right? Okay. I think those are the three things. As long as you can check those three boxes, everything else, obviously it matters to some extent, but those are the main three boxes you need to check to make sure your partner is a viable one. I'd swap, with one, of, I'd swap one of them out. Which one? So chemistry, I'd swap, because that's going to disappear in terms of like, literally your chemical soup in your brain goes back to normal after two years. So like that, that feeling goes away. And so what I would swap with that is something long-term, which is mission, which is do you want to do the same thing on earth? So it's like shared mission... Values is how you get, so do you want to go to the same place? Values is how you get there, and interest is the stuff you do along the way. Tony Robbins talks about it a lot, but you can yeah. create chemistry. Yeah. In fact, really? we've talked about it a ton because we have to manage our chemistry because of how much we work together. Yeah. How do you do that? Space. How do you create space? So many ways. You guys go on like I mean, independent vacations. Well, I think <laughs> no, no. <laughs> like, I think there's people every every. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a couple. You go to Canada. Aspects. I'm going to Mexico. Yeah. We'll meet back in the U.S. No, I mean, I think some of it's physical space, which is like, you know, we technically work together all day, right? But we don't. We stay in separate areas of the house. We work on different things. Like, we're very segmented in terms of our responsibilities set in terms of what we do in the business and outside. And then on the other side of that, it's being able to switch hats, mm -hmm. which is there's Alex and Layla that work together and you see in the public eye. And then there's Alex and Layla that are themselves in their condo when nobody's there, husband and wife. And so it's being able to switch between those two dynamics because if you constantly keep on the work hat, then like there's no chemistry, you know what I mean? Because what happens is you're not, it's the side of you that provokes chemistry in the person, like for a woman, right? For me, it's like, am I being feminine? I'm playful and funny and, you know, lighthearted. Well, it's like at work, I'm not going to be those things because it's more of like a masculine energy at work where you're like driving things forward, making decisions, like very decisive, outspoken. So for me, it's been learning how to swap the hats. And I think we've both worked on that a lot over the yeah. years. Um, so now it feels easy. I mean, yeah. now it feels like the moment people leave, like we talk in a different voice. Yeah. Like you our manners. in a different voice? Can, can oh, yeah. Be, <laughs> I don't even think like, I can do it. Yeah. 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 I do a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Like a little a playful. Okay, I've done yeah. that. It's, it's yeah. cool. You know, yeah. Alex has done it. You know, yeah, I'm sure. Of course. Yeah, yeah. of course. Um, no, I think, I think the things that's improved is that we've got 
our, our speed to be able to change gears has improved. So what used to maybe take like an hour or two hours to wind down, like to switch gears is now like we can do it in almost an instant. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's been like being able to shift energy is really like the, the, crux of it like you can yeah. feel like right now you have business alex and layla like this is like we can talk objectively about the marriage but this isn't like our relationship dynamic you know what i mean this is our work dynamic because this is work you know what i mean for us you know what i mean but when we are when we're you know at home alone like we're, we're pretty playful you know what i mean like we we tell a lot of jokes <laughs> we like we'll 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 fuck with each other a lot like there's a lot of practical like and stuff just like we're really goofy. funny yeah goofy. just a lot of yeah. goofy like we just yeah. yeah we're pretty goofy and we're it's incredibly lighthearted, which is a strong juxtapose against probably what most people see which is just like hard charging incredibly stoic -ish. So work hard play yeah. hard business yeah but what if yeah. something's going on with the business between mm -hmm. you two maybe a disagreement that you have on that how does that not bleed over and affect that Heart. we've had disagreements and we've yeah. walked out the door and looked at each other and just said i love you yeah. and then we just move on to like we're not in this disagreement currently and yeah. and being in a dis and like again this like i think we're very fortunate with this because so as a reminder to the audience like we pretty much started doing business together day one and so like we've only had a business dynamic if anything we had to work harder on the re relationships or the romantic side mm. than the business side so like business came natural to us like it was like a first language for us and then we learned the romance side, which is why she was saying like you can create chemistry like you can do it like you just do the things and like the chemistry's there with disagreements we the they're short-lived and a lot of times like i think we're pretty good at compartmentalizing it like if we disagree about something we know that we are aligned with the same mission. We know we're aligned with the same values. And so the only thing that we will disagree about is like the best way to get there. And a lot of times I think both of us are like, is this a hill you're going to die on? And neither of us really die on many hills. And so it's like, and if we do, it's really important. It's shared probably. Yeah. And one of the rules that we had, which is one of the most important rules we had in the very beginning of our relationship was we had this like guru or whatever, like talk to us. And he was like, I don't know what that was. Yeah, I don't know what yeah. it was. But like the advice was good. And he yeah. said, if you don't agree on something, don't move forward. And for whatever reason, it struck us in the moment and we have stuck to that, which is like, and usually it's like Alex wants to do something and Layla's like, I'm not sure. And because of the positive reinforcement that I've had earlier on in our relationship from like most times where I was like, I'm going to do this thing. She was like, I don't think that's a good idea. And I did it anyways. Most times those things blew up. And so she has a very good track record for that. And so now we have like a very, like we like to joke that like, if I weren't here, we wouldn't have a business. But if Layla were uh, not here, I would have a hundred and also not have a business. Yeah. And so it's like, it's the, it's the drawbridge. It's the tension between these two extremes, which is where I think the magic happens yeah. for us. Interesting. I've heard like, if it's not a hell yes, then it's just a no. Well, from a deal perspective, absolutely. But like from a like, which way, like we're agreed on this direction, we're mm -hmm. agreed on this strategy, like how are we tactically gonna execute that? Like there's there's a million permutations yeah. you can have. And so like, if we don't agree, because I get this question sometimes, we're like, well, somebody's gotta have veto, right? Right, so if you're, if you're at a standstill, we just don't, like, I don't think that's real. I like if you're in a business yeah. and you disagree, you keep talking about it until you agree. Like it just, you keep beating the idea and thinking about upsides and downsides and risk, et cetera, exposure. And then you're like, I see where you're coming from. Let's emphasize that, that, you know, like you just keep solving for it. And I think being open and not taking it personally, especially when we're in the business setting, because we both know, because we've done this enough times that like, we both just want to win. And so it's just like how we both have a hundred percent alignment. So just like, we don't take it personal. How do you keep the emotions out of it? 
I don't. Think I think you, that we are uh, able to admit when we are emotional. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So if I'm, if we're in a some kind of disagreement, I'll be like, "Listen, I'm just too stressed with this. Like, I need to go on a walk or something, and then let's talk about it later." Or yeah. if Alex, he might be like, "I'm too angry. Like, let's. I'm going to go do something, and we'll talk about it later." So I think we usually are pretty self-aware of like if yeah. we're in an emotional state, and if we are, we try to wait until we're not to then come back and talk about it. Then I think you know what I mean. A, I think it's a really big point is that like we don't we actively avoid discussion when there's emotional charge it's just not productive you know what i mean yeah and even sometimes like i mean i as a woman it's like i have to catch myself and be like oh i'm acting crazy right now i'm gonna go and he's like and i'm like yeah i'm gonna go because i'm acting like crazy bitch (laughs) and like i can now catch myself within like two minutes like we'll be in a conversation and it's like if i can feel that i'm just being emotional like oh so sorry crazy going leaving now Exiting myself from the room. For you, that has to be so nice. That has yeah. to be incredible. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. I mean, I think people should be with people who are reasonable. But now, do you get emotional too? Or I get angry. Okay. Yeah, I get angry. Um, and so for me, it's like, I have to cool off. Like, just like I can just feel like, it's not like I'm an outburst type guy, mm-hmm. but like I get very cold and I get incredibly like cutting and sharp with like, you're f- wrong. Like, I am right. And you just don't see it yet because I have to explain this to you in very slow terms so that you can catch up. That's how I will be when I'm angry. And um, it's not good. It's not good for the team, you know, et cetera. And so when I get in that, in that zone, I can usually feel it. And then mm-hmm. I'm like, I need like, but sometimes it's just, it takes, you know, it takes training, you know, like you do it and then I'll go on the, a 45 minute, you know, this is years ago, you know what I mean? Ran about yeah. something and she was like, eh, it didn't come across too well, you know, because we're a lot of times we're team facing, you know what I mean? We're talking to our team, we're talking to, you know, whatever. Um, and so I like, now I think we've gotten faster and faster at like just pulling it back, yeah. but it's not that we eliminate. How do you take a step back? Do you just go in a different room? Do you go do a workout? How do you do that? Really interesting. So one of the things that we found, this has just worked well for us is that via text, like text communication, we are really good. And so like it kind of removes, it gives you, it gives you a little bit more time to say what you're going to say. You know what I mean? There's also a record of it. You know what I mean? And so if we're honestly, it's like, it's been something that we've done a lot, which is like, if we're in a disagreement, we'll like type it out and typing it out. It gives, it literally gives you delay between when you feel something and when something gets delivered and you get to see it before, like you don't have the slips of the tongue because you see the words and you're like committing to them when you send them. And that's been honestly one of the at least from a tactical perspective, one of the most valuable things that we've done to like defuse situations. I think it works mm-hmm. if you're logical, which we yeah. are. We both want to discuss things in a reasonable, logical manner. I think if you're really just emotional, you're just going to find a reason as to why texting doesn't work because you can't, because emotion doesn't have a good argument, right? So when you type it out, it doesn't make any sense. I agree with that entirely. One thing that I tell my close friends is that if they're ever feeling extremely emotional, angry, sad, whatever, they should journal. Because the thing is, when you're writing stuff down, let's say your brain is functioning at like 200 words per minute or 300, I don't know yeah. what it is, right? Your hand can only write 40, yeah. right? So there's a longer delay from like the emotion that you're feeling and the, the brain yeah. activity to when you're actually writing. You basically have to put more emphasis on each word and more yeah. thought into each word. And it comes off as more calculated than emotional. So yeah, it's very therapeutic. It's worked I, super well for, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I, I was just gonna say, I think it's that. And I think we've also learned how to how to disagree with each other more productively and how to manage each other when we're in emotional state. So like if Alex is angry, like back six years ago, I probably made him more angry when I was trying to help him not be angry. Now I feel like I understand what diffuses Alex. She's really good at diffusing. What diffuses it? (laughs) She's being really nice. Honestly, a lot of the times it's like, 
I turn into like a cute little <laughs> ball of fun. She so goes romantic. She basically turns on her ro- like her relationship <laughs> hat, and then like it, I I it's like you can't hit a puppy. You know what I mean? Like you can, but like, <laughs> but like it's a lot harder. Yeah. And so if I'm like in this very like <clears throat> aggressive, you know what I mean, like zone, and she's just being like really cute and kind of vulnerable, I like it it it. I diffuse really quickly. He can't help but laugh. You know yeah. what I mean? I'm or like, smile or something. I'll just something. have this wry smile yeah. and I'll be like, all right. You know what I mean? Heard. You know what I mean? And then, then it, like we kind of go from there. And like for Layla, a lot of times like she just like, she just needs like a long hug and being like, it's okay. You know what I mean? Like it's totally I just get cool. stressed. Mm. He gets yeah, angry. For, yeah, I she get gets stressed. Exa- like she yeah. gets stressed. I get angry. And so for Got me, it. it's like, it's okay. Like you can feel this way and it's totally fine and normal. Yeah. When was the decision to get married? 11 months after dating, after our first date? Yeah, 11 months in. Yeah. It was and we got uh married 6 days later. We had talked about it like a couple times up until then, I think. Yeah. It's more just like we were like we like looked up one day and I think people in the business were asking us they were like, yeah. "Are you guys going to get married?" And I was like, "I don't know. I'm so young." You know. She's 23. And then we started talking about it. We're like, "Interesting. They're all asking us if we're getting married." And we're like, do they feel like it's not stable? Well, that was actually a big point. They were like, job security-wise, like, we feel weird, you know, committing to this, and you guys aren't even committed to each other. You know what I mean? Like, what happens if you guys break up? And both of us were like, we just keep doing the same thing. Like, we'll yeah. keep running this business. Nobody because, believes you, though. Yeah, no one believes you. But, like, as a side note for the dudes who are, like, considering getting a girl into their into their business, like, you have to have objectively been willing to pick that girl of all people to do that role. What I think happens more often is guys are like, man, I want to involve my wife in the business who doesn't really like business. And then they pull them in. They don't give them the respect because maybe that's not warranted because they don't have the acumen for it or whatever. And then they give them kind of a peon role, which that doesn't necessarily breed even more respect um, so that they can be like, quote, involved. I think like the role has to be the role that you would pick for that person, even if you had no dog in the fight like if you didn't have the relationship like if we weren't together i would still want layla basically running all the companies because mm. she's great at it that's why we do well yeah, <laughs> strictly like merit. yeah it's 100 percent merit and so it, like we just get the benefit of the fact that like we're also married but like skills first like the, the position has to be earned so do you think the marriage was in a way to satisfy business partners yeah and so it was the or, it was the employees yeah. and then so i so i came back well or go ahead yeah i mean i i yeah, I think it was a mix of things. I mean, yeah, I think sure. it, I wouldn't say the employees are the reason that we got married. I think it was. Yeah, I think it was just like it just felt like it made a lot of sense. I mean, honestly, yeah. that's like what we came to was just like this makes a ton of sense. Like we're running a business together. We're romantically involved. We're building this thing together. It looks like it's like blowing up. We're like, it just makes more sense to get married than it doesn't. Did you have a contract prior to then in terms of what would happen if you guys split? Like who owns what and who gets what or no? Well, I mean, we didn't have much. But sure. but Alex but the did. business was growing at that yeah. point, right? It was growing. Yeah. But I think at that point, <clears throat> did we both have 50-50? T- technically, the business was all mine at that point. Yeah, the business was yours at that point. Yeah. I just didn't even, you know, it's so weird because like I never even thought about that. Because like literally what I detest is women who take things from men. Like when I, no, I won't tell that, but seeing that women are willing to take something from a man rather than start over and like get your, like it was just never even in my mind like a possibility, you know what I mean? Like I was like, I would rather jump off a cliff than take money from somebody. So I actually asked Layla to sign a prenup because I think I had like 250 grand or something squirreled away. Mm. Um, And she was like, sure, whatever. And the fact that she was 
just like so effortlessly a yes. And I had actually asked a former relationship to sign a prenup and it was like a big deal and very painful and horrible and whatever. The fact that she was just like, sure, no problem. When we were on the way to like get it notarized or whatever, mm -hmm. I actually just tore it up and threw it out the window. I was like, we're good. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you, you've risked everything at every single point. You like, you chose me and wanted to do this thing together. Like, let's do it. You know what I mean? And so I, um, yeah, when I, my proposal, I didn't have a ring. I was just, just like, I, th I think the actual question was, I think it would make sense if we got married. What do you think? And then she, here are flowers. Sounds like a very Alex thing to <laughs> yeah. do. And so yeah, I handed her flowers and then I delivered how much, that. how much forethought did you give the wedding or, or, or the proposal in general was, was like from start to finish. Was it like a week, a month? Was yeah, it flowers? I mean, it's funny yeah. because like I, I say what I said earlier, like it is the most important decision, but like the, so this is countercultural is that if you look at like the rom-coms, right, that are out there, there's usually like Mr. Right and then like the old flame from home, right? And then they have to like break up with Mr. Right to be with the old flame. But the reason they don't have like sequels for rom-coms is because then you'd have two people who are married and have no reason to be together. And so it would be a very boring movie that would just be like a miserable marriage. And so I actually think that Mr. Right, the one that makes sense on paper that you have all the logical reasons to be together is the person that Hollywood should be getting people to get married to because when the chemistry fades, you need to have rational reasons to be with that person because like when bad days come and they will, you need to still be like, this makes sense, right? It still makes sense when it doesn't make sense and you don't have the feeling it's tough. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I remember I was listing it out cause when we were like in this one marriage discussion, I was just like, I mean, you have the cultural background, which is just a bonus. Like I never looked for like a Persian girl, but like the fact that she was, was great. Um, so she understand kind of the cultural background of my whole family and whatnot. She loved business, which was awesome. And she loved fitness and like being active and eating healthy and working out. And like, that was pretty much the only three things that like were interesting or, you know, and she was kind, right. And like trustworthy and she had character. And so I was like, I don't, I didn't see a world where there was a high likelihood that I would find somebody else that had all those things and had already sacrificed all these things to be, you know, to do this thing and had mm -hmm. shown efficacy at being good at it. I was like, I just feel like it makes sense if we get married. And she was, she was like, yeah. And so she said yes. And then we literally, I was like, all right, I guess I need to get you a ring. So we'd got in the car, drove to the jewelry store, bought a ring. We both liked the same one. So she got that drove back, called the pastor. And I was like, when are you free? And he was like this Wednesday. He's like, are you sure this is fast? And we were like, yeah, we're good. And so the whole week leading up, it was six days from then until we got married. And she was like, who's going to chicken out. And, um, was crazy is that I had backed out of a wedding, which was really hard by the way. Um, super hard. Yeah. Expectations on both sides, like invites, all that stuff. Um, but I thought I was gonna like, I thought that I had commitment issues. But I, it was just that in my gut, I knew it wasn't the right person. And I think that was the, like, that's why I commit issues. Yeah. It's like, it's just a lot of people haven't found the right person. Like, if you like, if you're like not, if you don't know, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. And so it just made sense to do it. And so then we got married in the back of a church on a Wednesday night um, with no family, nothing. There was like some local friends who showed up, like five, six yeah. people. And that was it. What caused you to walk away the first time? Especially um, so late in the in the process. I think it was kind of what, what you'd consider like the traditional Hollywood relationship of like the hot and the cold, the in you're out, you're up, then you're down. Like just just so much emotional like drama and like chemicals and just all, you know, like all of that very like intoxicating, very heavy relationship. Distracted too. And, you know, 
fundamentally like I would say there was tons of chemistry, but like none of like a lot of the other stuff we didn't share. So like we had different worldviews, we had different missions for our lives personally. Um, and we didn't really have the same interests. So all we had was chemistry. And so that's why it made it so hard because you have opposites attract and you have this like, like, oh, well, if you don't like this and we can't be together, it's like, but I miss you. And you did like this whole thing. And like the relationship that I had with Layla was th literally the exact opposite of that. It was just like, everything made sense. It was like, this is what I think. It's like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. And to someone that's been dating someone else for let's say a year or two, maybe three years, how do they know to make that final, like, you know, to tie the ribbon to make sure, okay, you are going to be my spouse. How do, what is the deciding factor in that to someone who's been dating someone for a while? I mean, I think, I don't think that there is a deciding factor in the, in this context of, I don't think everyone has to get married. You know what I mean? Like I think Agreed. we want to, to get married yeah. and like we both see ourselves like being with somebody, like we would like to have this marriage for the rest of our lives. Like that's something that we've communicated to each other. But I think a lot of people don't want that. And so I think a lot of yeah. people should take one step back and think like, do I even want marriage? And if so, what's the purpose? Because I think that it's gonna become less and less popular in my opinion. Um, and there's a lot of people it doesn't really make sense for. Like it really doesn't have a lot of benefits. Um, particularly like you look at like the decline on birth rates and stuff, like if you're not gonna have kids. Like if you don't have kids, you don't share a business together, you don't share a lot of your lives together, like I don't really understand why someone would get married. That's how is it for your family? Because I know with, with the Persian culture, it's very close. So yeah. how is it having a wedding and not having friends, cousins? Fifth cousins, you know, yeah. uncles, aunts, yeah. like everybody there. Well, we did that on purpose yeah. uh, because we um, didn't want that. Yeah, we <laughs> okay. didn't want that. A, B, like the whole concept of a wedding to me was very like it. That never made sense to me. Like, why are we going to spend fifty grand, everything marked up five hundred percent, just to have everyone else come there and see everyone for five seconds? Like that, that just didn't make sense to me. Yeah. And so, like, we worked the day that we got we got married, and we worked the next day. Like, we didn't take a honeymoon. It was just like. You went to the thing, signed the papers, and and we still haven't taken a honeymoon. We haven't done any of that stuff. Um, but we didn't tell our parents because we knew that they would be against it. We knew they'd be like, you're moving too fast. This is too extreme. And like, that's how my dad was like, you're always so extreme. You always go so all in on stuff. And I mean, her dad was, you know, not a fan of me earlier on. Oh. No, not that he wasn't a fan. Like, he yeah, would have no, said yeah. it was fast. And he would have said, I think. Same thing. Just too yeah. fast. Yeah. You guys are young. What are you doing? This business thing. It's confusing. Yeah. Slow down. And now they're all... Yeah, well, no. oh, yeah. yeah, my dad loves Alex. Yeah. Now, what about for you growing up? Did you have that vision of having that big wedding and that giant proposal? No, I didn't. Um, I just always thought it was so fake. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, what's the point? Like, I don't want to spend all that money on a wedding. Like, that was always my thought. It was like, yeah. why spend all that money on a wedding when, like, you should be spending that money on the rest of your life being married to this person. Like, if we put that much effort into the marriage, imagine how much better our lives would be. Yeah. But we put all this effort into a wedding. And so that's always how I looked at it. And I think I always just wanted it to be more private. You know, I'm like, I don't. Yeah. I'm not somebody who like loves a ton of attention. So I think the idea of also like having a wedding and being in front of doing all this stuff, like that's not comfortable to me. I think I just always wanted it to be like, it should be about us, yeah. not about everybody else. You know what I mean? And it's like, I always thought like, it seems like weddings are way more about appeasing other people rather than doing what is authentic to you. And what's authentic to me has never been a huge wedding. It's been a meaningful marriage that is something that's you know important to me. And so... I like the way that we did it because it was just us and it was in like, it was a reflection of the rest of our lives and who each of us are. You know, like we don't like doing things like everybody else. 
And because of that, like we just do things our own way. Yeah. And I had, you know, um, just cause I have experienced proposing twice. Um, the, the first time I was, you know, I was asked by the family, they're like, so what's the plan? Cause I, you know, told them I was going to do mm-hmm. it or whatever. I went to like the more normal traditional path and I was like, I just was planning on just asking her at the, like the grocery store or something, because that's like real life. You know what I mean? Like, this is what I'm asking you to do. Not some big fanfare. And they were like, that's cause you're being selfish and you're not thinking about her and you need to do something that she's going to be really excited about. So I did this whole big fanfare and it felt inauthentic to me. Cause I'm like, this is just not my vibe. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. this is me, like, this is how I am. And so like the, the engagement or the proposal that I had with Layla, me just being like, I think it would make sense. If we got married and like, here's why, like, that's me. Like, that's me. And if I had to not be myself in what would be considered a very memorable, pivotal moment of the mm-hmm. relationship, like, I think that was for me a little bit of a precursor to why it ultimately didn't end up working out. Um, I have nothing but love for anybody that I've ever been with, um, huge seasons of my life, but like at just long-term, it didn't, I don't think it made sense. But one of the things that Layla and I did that I think was really cool was that in the very beginning of our marriage, we did a lot of, uh, we went through like courses and workshops on, uh, divorced and at risk marriages. So we started going through all these workshops of people who are like trying to figure out their marriage. Mm -hmm. And we learned a ton of stuff about like how to communicate and like expectation setting and just a lot of really interesting things. And, um, I think it served us well. So like highly recommend going through like divorce and like crisis marriage counseling type stuff. What did you learn from that? I think one fundamental thing that has to be learned in order to have a productive relationship with somebody of the opposite sex is like how men and women are different, like how our brains work differently, how we think differently, how we receive love and affection differently or respect. Um, And I think that that teaches you how you can't treat your partner like you want to be treated. Yeah. You have to learn to treat your partner like they want to be treated. And I think that that's fundamentally hard to learn when you're not of the same sex. So it's like, you have to learn like, how does a guy want to be treated? How does a guy receive love? How does a woman want to be treated? How does a woman receive love? And I think that was a huge piece of it, along with understanding like the kind of protection mechanisms that we had each built up along the way that had created walls between us. And I think that those walls took a couple of years to probably come down, maybe two or three. Because like I know for myself, like over the years, like you build up walls that keep you from getting hurt, but they also keep you from getting super close to somebody. And I think everybody has those, it's completely normal. And you shouldn't wait to find someone to, you know, until those walls are down. I think it's, you learn how to take them down with your partner. And so it's like you become aware of them yourself and then you explore that with your partner. You talk about it openly and then you talk about how you're going to work on it. And I think that being able to communicate those few things with each other was huge for us. Like I used to be very cold and I wouldn't tell Alex anything that was on my mind. I mean, I was extremely closed off and that was really tough for me and for him. And for me, one of the things that I had to work on the most was learning how to just communicate what I was actually thinking and not be so terrified that he would judge me or you know, leave or mad at me or anything, because just for some reason, I just never, I always was like used to doing things on my own. And so feeling like I could even tell somebody else how I was feeling about anything was like so incredibly overwhelming for me. And now it's normal. And I can, you know, if anything, it's like maybe five minutes of me not telling him, but it used to be weeks. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think you had to work on? It's great, you know. I, <laughs> Not that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I think uh, my temper has gotten a lot better. Um, that's that's a big one. 
Um, my temper's gotten a lot better. Um, because I think what it was is like your if Alex would get angry, then Layla would recoil. Yeah, it was like, and a, then it was not a productive relationship. So you worked a ton on understanding like anger didn't work with me at all. Very true. Like I would just get more aggressive, and then she like she would just shut down. And so I just had to like, I just had to create more space and learn how to like, okay. Rest, like this is what we're gonna do these are the values that, like that's why it's like the mission values interest is so at least for us is so important is like if we're aligned on these things then it means that all we have for the most nine times out of ten it's a miscommunication like nine times out of ten it just means like i took something that you said the way that you probably didn't intend it so let's just break down what you said and how i took it and then she's like i didn't mean that to disrespect you i was like well here's when you say this i was like this is what i hear She's like, I did not mean that. And so like, I think over time, like you just know that there are trigger sentences or whatever that I'm like, I could probably work on this, but it'd be a hell of a lot easier if you just don't say that. And I and will also concurrently try to work on it yeah. if it slips out. I think we have so much ability to influence our partners and we have to be careful with that. You know what I mean? Because it's like, I only want to encourage Alex and I'm sure Alex only wants to encourage me, but we can say things and not know that we're discouraging the other person just by our behaviors and our actions. And is it our full responsibility? No, but it was it's definitely helpful if you know how to positively affect that person rather than negatively. And I think a lot of people in relationships actually negatively impact their partners more than they positively do. And that's why people break up because if they look at that area of their life and many other areas, they're negatively impacted once they get with that person. You know, it's like they look at the time they got in the relationship, it's like health, wealth, all these friends, everything. And it's like, it all goes down yeah. versus, you know, for us, it all went up. I had a, I had a mentor. So you asked the question way earlier about like, um, how do you know if it's like the right person? And I don't think there's like a one fits all, but I asked this to a coach that I had at the time who was kind of like basically helping me deal with like the anxiety that I was going through when all that stuff was happening. And he was like, just look at your stats. That's so what he told me. He's like, just look at your stats. He's like, how, how are you fitness wise? I was like, is it up or down being with her? I was like, well, she goes to the gym all the time. She like does all the meal prep. Like it's up. I'm definitely like better because she's there. He's like, all right, well, what about the business stuff? And I was like, well, <laughs> I was like, well, she makes me money. <laughs> and he was like, has any other girl made you money? And I was like, no. And he's like, well, that's a plus. Right. And I was like, okay. And so you know, we just went down the line of like, what are the things that you no know, matter most to me? And like, are they pluses or minuses? And all of them were up. My stats were up since I've been with Layla. And I never like really thought through that. And I was like, oh, like this logically, like I'm better for being with her. And so it was also like, how's your headspace? Are you more, you know what I mean? Or like, are yeah. you feel like you're becoming a better version of you or worse version of you? Um, Cause like, there's some people who have partnerships, like that's how we see it. Like spouse partnerships that like all they do is emphasize the worst character traits of you. It's like, if you're, you know, partner is always like, like, no, let's, let's stay in or let's, let's drink or let's, you know, not to say that those things are bad in, in small doses, but it like, if everything you have is always like decreasing all your stats to be with this person, like long-term for people who are growth oriented, which mm. not that many people are, but for people who are growth oriented, I think having somebody who holds you to a higher standard, like I know that Layla has extremely high expectations of me and I have very high expectations of her. And we just always want to exceed one another's expectations as the bar continues to rise because like as you get better so too do your alternatives by like other people who you attract are better quality mm -hmm. and so we both want to be in like you think about this way a voluntary relationship like of all the people i still want to be with you and that like because what happens is a lot of people one person grows and the other person doesn't and like it's just like if one person's growing they both have to grow yeah I don't think it's going to work long term. Yeah. I, well, I think if one person is growing, the other's not, the other would be intimidated by that person growing and then fearing that that person might leave. Yeah. Maybe that's a reason why they wouldn't want 
the other person to grow. Yeah, yes. and then they yeah. seek to control them in right. some way. Yeah, yeah, and they manipulate and they subvert, you know. Yeah. Not good. So how do you think the dynamic has changed before and after marriage for you guys? Because it seems like on paper, just on the surface, like nothing has changed besides just a legal standing. But yeah. is there a dynamic that's maybe different now? I would say the yeah. one thing that's really weird is when we got married. Yeah. Like, you know, before you're married, you still have like these little thoughts in the back of your head about like other people that were around. Like you still think about those people. Like you still think about some of those exes that you like got back together with. And you're like, maybe. And there's, you know what it is? You have possibility. So there's like a lot of possibility of what your future could look like, even though you're you're with this person, but you're not married yet. It's like, there's still a lot of possibility. So you see a lot of alternative futures for yourself. When you get married, all of that noise in your head just goes away. And it's like possibility is like, it's gone. And you're very certain about what your future is going to look like. So there's less possibility, right? Because you know, you're with one person now, but then you're very certain about what everything's going to look like going forward. And so it's like all that ancillary noise and like thinking about other people and dating and all that, it's just gone. So this was, this is like a fun, like yeah. mini segue, but Layla had a bunch of dudes who were always hollering, right? And like, even on like her birthday, I think she got like two gifts from other dudes. <laughs> you know what I mean? And we were like together. And um, I was like, what? Um, and, uh, I was like, you know that the, she, she's like, they're just friends. And I was like, they are not friends. I was like, they're trying to fuck you. Like, and she was like, no, they're just friends. I was like, guys are not going to be friends with girls to be friends with them. I was like, if they want to have a friend, they'll go find a guy. Like, and they'll be like, why are they going to go pretend to be interested in what you're like? They're, that's not what it is. And so we had, this was like an ongoing, like not in a malicious yeah, way, but it was sure. like almost like a joke throughout like the early days before we got married. The day she changed her marital status, all of them defriended her. And I was like, just saying. You know what I mean? Well, like yeah. defriended, unfollowed. Yeah, yeah they oh, unfollowed. They unfollowed. Oh. What was that like for you going through? I mean, like, <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny. You really? know, I was like, yeah. really? This whole time? Like eight years? You know, like, oh, on the back yeah. Like, it's a yeah. really yeah. not friends? Comment, yeah. comment What's on the term? There's form? a term on Reddit. They call them beta male orbiters. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. No, right yeah it's what it was it was just like the, oh you're so so great awesome stuff like whatever like neutral comments you know what i mean to like yeah yeah whatever and i was like oh these guys gosh. are not your friends like they're just you know what i mean they're planting seeds and hoping someday that it'll sprout yeah but, i thought it was funny because i just i i've always been like super naive like there's so many times where i end up on a date and i was like this is a date and i was like i thought you just said you wanted to grab coffee they're like yeah like a date i'm like that's a date i thought you would say it's a date you know yeah. so i was just always pretty aloof and uh, yeah, it's not just you funny. though. I think that's a very common dynamic of relationships between guys and girls. Even me, like growing up in high school, I don't think it's necessarily impossible for guys and girls to be friends, but I do it's think tough. more often than not, there has to be some sort of hidden motive there. And as upsetting well, as well, it is, there's gotta be a ratio, here, right? Maybe like 20% of friendships could be genuine. Yeah. Maybe 80%, like the majority yeah. are probably not. Yeah, I would it's, say it's, it's possible. It's a bit generous. But I, you think 90 that, 10? Maybe. <laughs> I'm, that, look, that much. I, I, I mean, this is just my personal anecdotal yeah. experience. Yeah. You know, like I think that's, that's tough. I, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and you, it's not yeah. just you; it's just girls in general. They can be so they can be oblivious to that stuff, and that's just. I did not have friend girls. Like I barely had friends, so like let alone yeah. like if I'm gonna actually yeah. hang out with anyone, it's gonna be a dude. Like I'm, you know, what yeah. I mean? like if I actually just want to like chill and relax, if, like so. If dad. you were to give a ratio, what would you say? I would say eighty-five. I'll, I'll meet in the middle here. 85, 15. So 15 sure. percent. I'll, I'll, sure, I'll do 85 is pretty good. 85, sure. 90. What would yeah. what would you give it? Oh, that sounds about right. I mean, like for me, <laughs> okay. I mean, it, 
And to be fair, there yeah. are probably, and I want to be clear, uh, there are probably some guys who somehow managed to do it. Yeah. Me personally, I was never a guy friend, which is why her comment was so funny to me. Because I was like, never once in my entire life, because I'm also a very clear communicator. Yeah. So I was like, here are my intentions with you. Like, they are not, they are not pure in nature. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I want to be with you. And that's how, in no uncertain terms, I made, like, I made my intentions clear because I also didn't want the bullshit. So if someone's like, oh, I don't see that way, I'm like, cool. Like, mm -hmm. not trying to be friends. You know what I mean? Like, I, I can't, the amount of times where I was just like, I'm not friend material. Like, that is not why I'm here. You know what I mean? It was like, yeah. I was just very explicit. Um, and some people like that, and some people didn't, and that's fine. Either way, that's me. So anyways, this is me probably, I probably projected a little bit of like my own, like, I don't have friends who are girls onto her, but in this instance, I have been, have been right, yeah. which was confirming. Um, but as a guy to shift back to the original question, did things change when you got married? Right. Um, one, obviously all the side convos stop. Um, and then for me, there was actually a huge amount of like noise that like disappeared because like, especially when I was single, like I would say the majority of my time and attention went to like girls, like, and like, you know what I mean? Like in terms of just headspace, like texting, organizing dates, trying to, you know what I mean? Like a lot of my mental bandwidth, even if it wasn't hours, but like in between mm -hmm. time mm -hmm. went to that. And the moment we got married, it was like all of this attention of like something else could happen was just gone. And then it was just us and this business. And then, I mean, then it just like, it ripped. You know what I mean? Like that's when we got, like we went from making a few hundred thousand dollars a month to mm -hmm. a few million a month, like 12 months later. Like it was just like, we were both like, you're in, I'm in, let's go. And that was like, and then it was like, we just, we're both able to attract other people. You mm. know what I mean? And so just having that security and that knowledge, like you're my person for the foreseeable future. It just, it just washed away all of this attention that came back to focusing on the main thing. So how did your schedules change after that? Because I mean, the business did really well from yeah. that aspect. Were you guys just like, all right, now we can just focus or was it? What I think was there's that? a lot of that, that it's kind of like the extra headspace because we're both sure. believers in like split attention like yeah. even if like that's why we don't like like if you know what you want to do i'm not a big fan of side hustles because it distracts you know what i mean like it's not it's just like it's t it's attention it's shower time it's drive time that could be that creative energy that juju that extra time if it were reallocated to the main thing like it compounds faster Right. Most people like just have enough. They spread it. And there's like there's a threshold that you have to get above to beat everybody else. Right. Like the people mm -hmm. you're competing against are focused. The guys who are winning are focused like you. It's very arrogant to think that I can spread my attention to be better than other people who are all in on this one thing. And so one thing all in was was how we saw it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't think anything actually changed like yeah. in the physical realm. <laughs> it's no. really just like mentally. Yeah. You no just don't worry about it. Yeah. And how do you make sure you have enough time for each other in the mix of everything that you do? No. You know, you I, I'll say this. Aside? No, God, we've yeah. tried that. I hate that <laughs> shit. They're like date night. Yeah. Don't talk about work after X hours. It's no. relation. Hmm. We tried that shit. And let me tell you, we were fucking miserable. I yeah. hate that shit so much. And I think it's some bullshit that people have to put. If you don't have values that you lead your life by, then you need rules. Like we don't talk about work on date night. And that is exactly what most people do. But we have values, which is we value our marriage and we value the business. Therefore, we naturally allocate attention yeah. between both of them. And I think that most people aren't led by those values and that's why they have to default to those rules. But if you are led by values, then it's not something that you have to put a huge amount of effort towards. It's, hey, it's a, it's a dichotomy to manage, right? Which is like the 
the relationship, which is like, if you're completely focused on the relationship, then you're distracted from where you're going and your mission in life. But if you're completely aloof from the relationship, then you probably feel a little bit of anxiety because you're feeling like, am I secure, am I not? It's a dichotomy to manage. And I think that it's just being able to catch yourself. It's like most people swing on a pendulum, right? Where it's mm. like, we're completely obsessed in this relationship or we're completely aloof and distracted elsewhere. It's like, if you can just get to the middle faster, which is where everyone wants to be, which is like, we pay attention to our relationship and to other things in life, it's productive. Then I think that you'll be a lot happier. And so that's what we really try to do, which is like, if I feel like I need time with Alex, I tell Alex that. You know, if Alex feels like he needs time with me, he tells me. If we say that we wanna go on a trip, we go on a trip. You know, I mean, like, yeah. it's just being able to use your natural intuition in terms of like, yeah, this feels a little off and not judge yourself about it and not judge the situation, not be like, oh, we suck, we're so bad at being married because we haven't done a date in so long. It's like, well, fuck, we've been busy. You wanna go on a date though? You know? Yeah. I hate to take a little two minute intermission, but I've drank way too much water. <laughs> oh, Jack. Right, I'm sorry, right you, got fo- you got a right phone. I can, I can right. hold it, I'm just gonna be like antsy. All right, go. All right, thank you. Jeez. You got a phone call, Graham. Yeah, but. I didn't know I was gonna get a phone call. Jack, you could use this bathroom. Oh. We're gonna hear him take a poop. Yeah, it's like we're gonna hear like a, a plunk down. I'll just continue. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> where do you guys feel like you could improve, or is there any weakness that you have that that you're working on? In the very beginning of COVID, I think that was like a great season for our marriage. You five extra marriage during twenty twenty. Yeah, we totally five extra marriage. Um, I think that when we were selling the business, I think mm-hmm. was another season where we put more attention to the marriage. I think right now we're putting way more attention to the business, Mm. like in the last 10 months. And so I think that we just, I think we're really good at acknowledging the seasons that we're in, being Mm. okay with them, and then, and not judging ourselves for it. You know what I mean? Like, and I think all that matters is that you're on the same page. If you are in a season of like, I'm putting all my attention on work, but your spouse is like, I'm putting all my attention on you, that's when you get resentment, right? And that's when marriages don't work. But we both always agree and we talk about it transparently. Hey, this is a season where we're going all in on work versus, hey, this is a season where it's really nice that we get to enjoy each other more. And I think that's that's the best way that you can balance it is just like being open about it and also just not, I don't think that, I think life works that it's like you have health, wealth, relationship, all these things, right? Mm-hmm. And if you wanna grow one thing, the rest kind of have to go on maintenance. So like I would say right now, our marriage is probably on maintenance. Yeah. It was in growth when we were selling the business because we didn't have a business to focus on. It was on growth during COVID because we had a lot of ancillary time. And it'll be in growth again once we have a little more space from the business. But right now we've agreed that we wanna put that focus on the business and then we'll come back to the relationship. And so. That's how I see it. I think yeah. the, the biggest issue that comes up is where there's discrepancies. So where where there's just mis, mismatched expectations between the spouses and reality or how, they're, how they see it. And I think one of the worst things that I see kind of in the dating, marriage, whatever industry is the labels that they ascribe to situations. Where kind of to Layla's point, like they're like, if you're not X, if you're not having a date night once a week, if you're talking about business, if mm. you're, they just insert something, they then say it's bad. Right. And so if both, let's say that, let's say hypothetically, Layla and I were so busy with work that we did nothing but work and didn't have a meal together for a month. If we both didn't have a problem with it because it was the season that we were in, other people might say, that's bad. What they really mean is, I don't prefer that. In which case I say, cool, live your life your own way, but don't live mine. And if we're both good with it, then there are no problems. And so that's where I feel like a lot of people get off-roaded because they 
adopt someone else's preferences and ascribe good or bad meaning to their own circumstance and then say, we need to change something. Or my girlfriend gets a date night every Thursday. Why don't we have a date night every Thursday? Because now the fact that we don't have one is bad, right? Whereas you, they might just be in lockstep and totally fine. And so for us, it's as long as there's no discrepancy, um, we're usually good. And like, if there's a time where Layla's like, hey, then I'm like, cool. Like I'll stop right now if I'm like if I'm not you know yeah. doing something. But sometimes she's like, "Hey, do you got a minute?" I'm like, "I'm in the middle of this book chapter. I'm gonna need another four hours." She's like, "Cool, no sweat. Like, do your thing. I'm gonna go for a walk or whatever." You know what? I think the biggest thing is it's like the biggest gift that we've given ourselves, our relationship. We do not compare to anybody else's. Like, yeah. like to a degree that I've never even had the thought about somebody else's relationship and how it contrasts yeah. to mine. Because I think it's just like each relationship is its own unique, it's like a unique organism. Like it yeah. shouldn't be compared to anything else. They're dynamics. Yeah. And so I think we're two unique people. Therefore, we have a unique relationship. Yeah. Therefore, why would I compare it to anybody else's? And I think that's where most of like the angst and yeah. the resentment in so many relationships come from is you're comparing to somebody else's, which they're two completely different unique people. In different circumstances. Yeah. With different life goals, different mission, different values, different interests. So it's like, yeah. why would I ascribe their preferences to my reality? How do you fight against that? Because I feel like it's a natural... Uh, instinct almost to want to compare yourself to somebody else. This is, I think this is a little bit of the personal development side. Yeah. Like we were so hardcore about that, like not comparing to other people that like, I think that's almost something that like early on in our relationship, one of the reasons I liked Layla and I kept saying this early on was I was like, I was like, you see reality the way I see reality. And I just didn't have many people who saw the world the way I saw the world, which is why I felt very lonely for a lot of my life. I just felt like it just, I just, you know, I mean, I, I would stay in bed at night and just be like, it's just me. Like no one else sees it this way. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like she saw the world the same way. And so, you know, if someone else, you know, was like, oh, that's so unhealthy. We like, we'll both immediately catch that. And we're like, we're like, okay, this motherfucker is <laughs> yeah, unhealthy. Like, yeah, you, I mean, we both see it when people are judging us. And yeah. I think, I don't know, it's not even, it doesn't even cross my yeah. mind. I don't compare myself to other people in general. So it's like. Yeah, I compare myself to who I know I am potentially able to be. And I think Alex is the same thing. And so it's like our relationship would make less sense to compare. You know, and even, you know, people say like relationship, relationship goals, like mm. they say that of other people, like I have never said that word, nor have I ever thought, <laughs> that thought, you know what I yeah. mean? And so like to a certain degree and like we get some of that and I'm flattered for those people. But like at the same time, I feel like your relationship goal should be like, who you want to be and how you want that dynamic to be whatever way you choose and zero outside influence on that like if your parents are like this is weird then it's like cool weird for you that's your preference not mine thank god you're not married to me <laughs> you know yeah. what i mean yeah. like and that's okay and so like we even i, even, I mean we got in a, a row with a, a family member they were like you guys are just so unbalanced i would never like want your life and i was like right you don't have it like I think it's just everyone wants to judge other people and label things yeah. as good or bad. And we just don't subscribe to that. It's like, there's a lot of things that people would look at our marriage and be like, very unhealthy, very bad. And I'm like, cool, fuck off. I don't give a shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I like it. He likes it. Yeah. What does it matter? Well, you're not in our relationship. Why, does, why do you care? Yeah. But what happens is a lot of people see a relationship, compare it to theirs, and then either feel bad about theirs or they feel bad about theirs and take the next step and then criticize the other one because it means they're... That must be wrong because I don't want, because my ego can't take this. When your ego should just not be involved at all. Like if I see a relationship, people are together and they like each other, I'm like, awesome. Like, 
so happy. Like I, the it's, thought, yeah, it's yeah. like the thought doesn't even cross my mind. I mean, like genuinely, like I don't care what anyone else does. And so like when someone puts it on us, I'm like, cool. Like, yeah. thank you. You for don't have kids. How's that? Something must be super fucked up. It's like, no, we just don't want them right now. Like, what do you yeah. give a fuck? Yeah. You know what I mean? Thank you for the irrelevant commentary that ascribes yeah. that I ascribe no meaning to. Yeah. And how developed do you think your own character and value system and, and personality need to be developed before you're ready to date and marry someone? Or do you think that you go in kind of, you know, a scribbles on a blank you know, slate or whatever, and then you get into this relationship and then the other person builds your values and character and stuff like that? I think you got to be good being alone. You think you need to be already kind of understanding yourself? Like you need to be yourself. a complete person. Mm -hmm. Like if, you, if you're the person who always has to have somebody there to like feel complete... What you want, in my opinion, is two whole people that together, like the sum of two holes is significantly greater, not two halves, making one whole. I think it's like, I want, at least this is Alex's viewpoint of the world. Yeah. Well, I think we choose what we are dependent on each other for, right? Like there, there's a lot of stuff I depend on Alex for, and there's a lot of stuff he depends on me for, but it's chosen. We could do it on yeah. our own if we didn't have each other. You know what I mean? Versus yeah. there's some people it's not chosen. It's like necessary and i think that's when you have issues yeah that makes sense it makes it seem much more voluntary than just like feeling compelled to join a relationship because of something you need from the other person 100 right. it's like i mean this is a voluntary you know these are voluntary yeah. relationships like right. and we want to set ourselves up for success which is like don't need anything yeah can you imagine something like more beautiful than two people who don't need one another who just choose to be with the other yeah. because they prefer life together like that in my mind is like and if you continue to prefer living life together then you don't need any outside anything yeah. but wouldn't you say that it also takes a lot of dating experience to know what to look for and what you like and what you don't like i think dating experience or education you know what i mean i think like for me like i read tony robbins was it unleashed the power within yeah and they had the whole thing where you write Awaken. down, yeah. yeah. It awake? Awaken the giant. I don't even know what that's it. Awaken which one it was, right? Yeah, yeah. But it was one like, write down everything, non-negotiables yeah. of what you would break up with someone for. And then the characteristics you're looking at, this whole thing. Yeah. I had this whole exercise and like, I didn't know, I didn't have a ton of experience, like in in-depth. I mean, you know, I'd had good significant relationships, but like, whatever, you're young, right? I'm like 20 something. Um, but I had read that book and I was like, I trust that this person knows what he's talking about. He has seen enough relationships. If I do this formula, I feel like it will pan out. And when we were talking about getting married, I was like, listen, this, I remember thinking, I was like, Tony Robbins said that if you do X, Y, and Z, you know, you, you pick like this, which we did. And then you go like this and like, you can work on pretty much everything else as long as you get the fundamentals right. Like mm. basically get the fundamentals right of like matching your expectations and non-negotiables of what you're looking for in a spouse. And then everything else you can create. One of the things that I think has been really important for Layla and I, at least, uh, so Warren Buffett was in front of a crowd of college kids and they and he said, so who here, you know, I get asked all the time, what, if you could only have one character trait that you would look for in a spouse, what would you look for, right? And people are like, brains and beauty or character, loyalty, right? And he's like, you don't want any of that stuff. He's like, you know what you want? Low expectations. He's like, that's how you create a marriage that lasts. And like, he was being incredibly serious, but also tongue in cheek at the same time. But I think part of that process, at least how we approached it was that we were probably the least Hollywood version of a relationship. You know what I mean? Like we un-Hollywood everything. It was very much like, does this make sense? Right. And I think because of that approach, big picture, neither of us came in expecting the other person to save us. You know what I mean? Like, I don't need you to make me happy. And, and I, I think that's where the whole person comes in. Like if you're, if you're like, I'm happy doing what I'm doing, like I, I don't need you. I prefer it, 
but like I can continue to live my life and the other person can too, then the expectations are significantly lower from the other person, which is why like for, this is again me talking for me, like the fact that Layla never tried to change me and still hasn't throughout our whole relationship, I think is one of the biggest reasons why like you've been good. Cause like I resist anyone who tries to change me very hard. Like her point earlier about like no rules. Like I hate rules. Like tell me I can't do something like there's like, there's nothing that drives me more mad than something like that. Yeah. And so because this may come like, what if circumstances change? What, you know what I mean? Like I hate it. And so low expectations and leading from values has been how we've just used as our compass pointing true north of mission. And then like we accept the waxes and wanes that occur during the natural shifts of time. And it's, I don't know, it's yeah, think, for us. Yeah. And I think it's not judging that relationships morph and change and wax and wane. Like you're saying, like a lot of people judge that They're like, Oh, we're not feeling as close. Like this is a problem. If, if we're not feeling as close, I wouldn't label that as a problem. I'd be like, that's normal in relationships. Or if somebody's like, oh, I've been dating her for two years now. I'm not feeling as attracted. I'm like, makes sense. You basically are her roommate now yeah. let's work on it. You know? So I think yeah. a lot of the things that people label as problems in relationships are normal parts of being in a relationship. And they're just things you have to manage. They're not things you have to fix. And I think that's the difference is like, we don't look at any yeah. part of our relationship as well as like, anything that needs to be fixed because it's not broken. And so I wouldn't use that word. It's like things that we have to manage. And usually you're like a couple tiny tweaks away from anything. And so, and when you don't need the other person, it makes all of those things feel much less serious. Yeah, they're way mm -hmm. less like high, there's, there's way less pressure. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't need you. It's like, hey, when you do this, I feel like if we did this, it'd be a little better. Does that work for you? Yeah, great. Fantastic. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, and it's just yeah. thousands because of those. There's also low stakes because if that person doesn't want to comply, you're like, okay, cool. It's fine. Are you guys comfortable saying the last direct example of a disagreement that you guys had and then how you resolved that? So to, to give the viewers an actual yeah. like case right here, this is what happened and this is how it was solved. I think the mm. only thing we argue about is business stuff. Not, yeah, yeah. nothing personal. It's not, we don't, because that's not that important. Not that it's not important. It's just we don't have many disagreements. We both are really aligned on it. So I think it's that and we both just have we spend much more time in the business. So yeah. there's more time more for disagreements. Things to happen. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Um probably cash cows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um yeah, we were thinking about starting a show, putting a lot of like effort and money into something called cash cows. I really wanted to do it. Layla was like, we have too much on our plate right now. And so, and to be fair, that's kind of like a recurring theme. So that would be like the most recent one that has come up, but it's one of many. <laughs> well, I think yeah. there's, it was looking at a way that basically it was a show that we would, you know, people would pay to be on the show, basically kind of like a Shark Tank type thing. Yeah. Um, well, they pay an equity, like we get a person, because that's how Shark Tank works. They get a, they get a stake in the, in the business um, to be on the show. Yeah. To be on it? Yeah. Yeah. And no, I thought Kevin O'Leary or it was um, Mark Cuban argued against that. So it's they, been that way for like, that, not know. anymore. So anybody yeah. that goes on Shark Tank. But for years, okay. they, they got a stake. Because people would get on the show, not take any bids, and then their business would blow up. Right. So they get a stake in everything, yeah. plus whatever deals they take. Wow, I had yeah. no idea that was the case. So yeah. that was the idea. And yeah. I was against it because I thought, one, it relies on you and me. And yeah. I also know Alex doesn't like doing the same thing over and over again. So it worries me. Because I was like, I could see in two years, you don't want, or even in a year, that you don't want to do this show. Yeah. And it requires our time. Which I don't like building something yeah. knowing it's going to require our time. Yeah. And so we disagreed. 
Yeah, so we disagreed, and basically we'll just keep revisiting, and I'll, you know, like, she'll bring up concerns she has, and I'll, it's more like, she's like, here are the problems with the thing that I see, and like, unless I'm like, no, I don't think I'm going to get sick of anything ever, like, I, yeah. I wouldn't did try you, to take that Did stand you guys, do you have a resolution on cash cow, or no? Is yeah, it we still? decided yeah, not we to did. do it. Okay. Yeah, we decided uh, not to do it. We came up with a different idea. Yeah, we have a different, a different thing. Can you share it? No. Not yet. <laughs> But, it's uh, free advertising. <laughs> it is free advertising. Not, we're not going to take a stake in it like uh, Shark Tank. <laughs> no. Three no. percent that has that. The conversations yeah. often go like, here's yeah. the reasons why I don't support the idea. Yeah. And then I go back and to then Santa's work. I give Alex space because, I mean, I do think it's also like something that you have to understand if you're working with somebody like Alex is very much like the vision is like continuing to bombard him. Like, I need to give him some space to like digest it. And like, I'm sure it sucks. Cause like coming up with an idea and ex sharing that idea with a bunch of people, it's like, you're very vulnerable. It's like a very, mm -hmm. it's yeah. a vulnerable state I would imagine. And so it's like, I try to give him the feedback and then like kind of distance for a little bit. And then we revisit it maybe the next day. Yeah. And even after you came to that initial resolution of like, okay, you know, maybe we aren't going to proceed with this yeah. part of you, I'm sure still kind of wanted to do it, but then that got squashed over time. Once you realize this is not happening. Honestly, I don't have a desire to do it because like we just continue to beat the idea up and then like really like it's one of the things we say is like play it out. Like let's mm -hmm. play it out. Right. Mm -hmm. Like well, then what happens? Then what happens? Then what ha like let's talk six moves future. Like what happens? And so um, the, the more we beat it up, the more we played it out. I was like, I think like these are the points she's bringing up are irreconcilable because like I always get excited about all the upside. I'm like, man, this could be like a cool new version of Shark Tank, it'd be exciting. We get to, you know, we get so many messages from smaller businesses that we would never normally like work with because most of our companies are, you know, 10 million plus uh, top line that like, you know, like it's, it's, it doesn't make sense, but I want to help. And so I was like, yeah. okay, if I could help a few people in an intimate setting and then broadcast it, then it could help a lot of other people. Does it make t sense time-wise, the commitment, amount of, you know, do we have to build a studio? Do we have to build a production team? Like how, how you know, da da da, da like it's played out, right? And so after we really played out every angle of it, because I'll come with like a three-quarter idea, right? I'll be like, I net, you know, I took two or three steps. Let's talk because I'm not going to take 20 because I don't want to do like mm -hmm. talking. You know, it's a free-flowing yeah, sure. thing. Um, and so once it's resolved, we don't really come back to it. So like I'm, I have no, like the points that were brought up, made sense and there are better use there are better uses for our assets and resources so like if you think about strategy big picture yeah. the definition of strategy as i define it is how you choose to allocate limited resources against unlimited options and so i'm saying we have these resources this is an option i think we should allocate it towards this is this is my strategy right and then she will say I don't think it's a good resource allocation because of either opportunity cost or something else we could pursue or the cost is too high in, inherently in this thing based on the upside we predict, right? And so we'll either disagree on the cost or we'll disagree on the upside or both, right? Or door three, that there's an alternative that would be a better return than, than the, the primary scenario. So those are kind of like three variables that we'll think through when we're beating up a decision. And so once once that's spelled out, like I have a full loop on that. Like I've, that loop's closed and we've, we, we pivoted like 20 other versions of something like that to what we have, you know, that what we think we're going to do. Um, and then there's timeline. It's like, okay, cool, we're agreed on this, when? And then we'll have to talk that out. It's like, well, resources right now are constrained, you know, based on growth, it might be a two quarters from now thing. And then two quarters from now we revisit, and if we're not ready, it might be two quarters from then, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's something that I've had to learn because I tend to be more like, go, 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 bull in China shop, like ask questions later, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, and Layla tends to be more calculated. And so it's, I mean, that's our yin and yang and that's why it's either one's right or wrong. Like, like it has just worked well for us to have that drawbridge tension 
uh, between the extremes. And that's where I think the magic happens for us. What's the motivation right now for you to continue pushing forward in, in terms of business and continuing to grow? And where's that coming from? I can say mine. I mean, all right, why don't you, why don't you go? You seemed eager. Um, Yeah, I think motivation in business, it just continues to be wanting to have an impact. Like, I know that sounds so cheesy, but I was like really thinking about it. Like when I met Alex, he was like, what do you want to do? I was like, I just really want to help people. And I remember he looked at me, he was like, could you make money too? (laughs) You know? And so I think looking at how can we utilize, like we have an insane team. We have like tons of access to talent and to companies that are amazing how can we best put together this stack of resources to have the biggest impact possible? That's really what I look at in terms of the kind of workplace we build. Like we get to set new standards for like what makes sense in the workplace. Like for example, like we pay really well and we don't have to. Um, And outside the workplace, which is like how people build companies, like the way they think about building companies. Like we're changing the way that people think about how they make money, how they make a living, how they build their companies. Um, And I think knowing that if we continue to do this for long enough, we will get to a point where we're so good that we can have an impact even sooner in that life cycle. You know what I mean? Like we've talked about like being able to build a school for entrepreneurship and things like that, because I think what we both genuinely really enjoy doing is teaching that stuff. It's like teaching people the lessons that we have learned that we paid a lot in terms of pain or time or money to learn in a way that is digestible, easy to learn, and they can go you know, take action on it immediately. Like, I think that's always what we want to do. And so the motivation is just to do more of that. Like I want to, like right now I'm motivated to continue hiring these people so I can get above a little bit of the business so that I can spend more time making content. Cause like I barely put any thought into it. You know what I mean? And I want to get better at it because I want to be a better teacher. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's, it's always just being better, being a better version of myself, like being a better contributor. So, I mean, the mission of the business is to make real business knowledge available to everyone. And so that's the mission of acquisition.com. And, you know, my, my self-worth measuring stick over the last year or so has begun to shift internally for me because everything. So I think every day we wake up and we ask a question and we spend our day trying to answer it. Right. So for me, for most of my adult life as a business person, it's been waking up and thinking like, how do I make more money? Which shifted later to how do I, will this increase my net worth? How can I increase my net worth? Like that, that is like how it shifted. Today it's, will this build goodwill? And I think that that's been one of the more internal shifts that's been occurring and it's still continuing to happen with me is that like the net worth stick is, is dropping and the goodwill stick or brand equity stick is, is rising. And so what happens is like, if you change the question that you ask yourself every day, then it changes the lens through which you interpret reality and the decisions that you make. And so my weighing, my measuring stick has, has shifted. And so if you think about like the richest man in the world, like if, cause you, if you take the net, the, the net worth thing to its natural conclusion, it's like, I want to be the richest man in the world. And then I thought about it. I was like, do I really want that? Cause then the follow up question is when, because no one's the richest man in the world forever. Right. It's only like a very brief it's right. a stint of time and then they, they go down. Right. And I was like, well, that's kind of a weird goal. And I also think that if 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 again, you take it all the way out, that means that the day I die. Right. I would have no goodwill left, no brand equity left because I would have extracted all of the value from every relationship possible if that's what I'm truly maximizing for. And when I thought about that, I was like, that's not the person I want to be. And that's not what the end of my life, what I want the end of my life to look like. And so then I was like, all right, well, what do I want the end of my life to look like? And I was like, well, I want to have. I would like to have, I would like to die with nothing left to give. 
And so if that's how I want to die, then I have to start changing how I live now in order to get that. Now, obviously a portion of it, for sure, we want to continue to, you know, make more money, build, build really big businesses that we have more ability to do cool stuff. Right. Um, but we're now measuring it against a different stick, which is like, will this build the brand? Will this help more people? Will this build goodwill? No, you build goodwill, you make money for sure. But for me, that fundamental shift has been a cooler internal fire because at a certain point, there's no, the marginal impact of, of money decreases precipitously as you gain more of it. And so, but the, the marginal return on goodwill and brand equity continues to compound like the amount of people that stop us in the street every day being like, dude, watch your stuff. Like I went from, I quit my job and now we make $2 million a year. Like it happens literally every day. And like, that's cool. And that's why we do it. And that's why the mission of the business is to make real business um, education available to everyone. And so everything that we're doing now is oriented towards that. Like me writing a book takes like this next book that's going to come out hundred million dollar leads. Um, it, it'll probably take me by the time it's published about 1300 hours. And I'm, going to give it away for 99 cents. Mm. There's very little direct ROI that it makes sense for me to do that. Like for 1300 hours, like just like in terms of what people offer me every day for my time is usually between 25 and 50,000 an hour. If I'm going to like work with them on something business wise, which I don't because we only do equity, but like whatever. And so if I think about that, like, okay, well, 25,000 times a thousand is 25 million. So I put $25 million of what I probably could have spent time on <laughs> directly into this book that I'm going to give away for 99 cents. But if I'm using the net worth stick, it would, it would be a failure and I should do other stuff that I would get a better return on my time on. But in terms of the goodwill and the amount of people that it will reach with no extra, extra incremental unit of time, there are few that are better. And it will outlive me. YouTube videos will not outlive me. The book will. And so when I think about that long term, like that's when I'm on my deathbed having nothing left to give. I want to extract everything I can out of my head, put it there so that anyone can consume it. Like I get people, I get messages from like India and Bangladesh, you know, people being like, thank you for making it 99 cents because we could afford it. Yeah. Now, here's a question. If, if it's just goodwill, why charge yeah. 99 cents? Why not just It's because you have to free? put it on the, on, just for Amazon to push it. Got because it. if they make, so 66 cents yeah. of it goes to Amazon. I'm not getting rich on 33 cents. Yeah. Um, but when they make money, they, they push it more. So, I see. so it sells, okay. like right now it sells, like the other book sells, I think 20, like I just checked, it's like 22 or 23,000 copies a month with nothing, like just word of mouth and Amazon pushing it. And so like that's 23,000 people every month that get, have access to stuff and learn stuff and make more money. And I get messages every day from it. And so it's like, that's, because like she knows, like when I'm in the yeah. thick of writing the book, I'm like, like, you know what I mean? It's tough. Like there, there, it's easy to write a book. Yeah. It's very hard to write a good book. What's, What's your process like for writing a book? Like how do you, where do you even start? I feel like yeah. I would be so overwhelmed and, and constantly doubting, like, is this going to be good enough? Or so, sure. is someone actually going to read it? For sure. All those thoughts. How, how do you, how do you push yourself outside of that? Yeah. Well, I mean, for the book, I start with what job do I want the book to do? Right? Like, what do I want it to do? And so this book, hundred million dollar leads is when someone's like, man, I have this thing. I can't get anybody to sell it to. I want someone to be like, you need to read hundred million dollar leads. Like that's where it fits in the conversation. Like I need any more leads. Like, great. Buy hundred million dollar leads, you know, go read it. And then I start with that as the very narrowly defined problem. And then I try and think, how can I in as few moves as possible, solve this for as many people as possible. And that's very hard, especially with that topic. Um, like that book was significantly harder to write than offers, right? Because offers is a really super well-defined, like, what do you do in exchange for money? Like it's, it's a clear problem definition. This one's like, how do you get anyone to know about anything? 
It's really what it is. It's advertising, yeah. right? And so anyways, start with the problem and I work backwards. And then I, I spent, I've made 127 different models of what I thought like the core model of the book would be. Like you're familiar with the value or I don't know if you're, in the first book, there's something called the value equation, which is kind of the core concept of the book, which a lot of people shared and whatnot. And so within this book, um, there were two core, core concepts that I had to like pull out of hundreds of iterations to get it right. And so the first probably like eight, nine months of the, of the book is like really just drawing out models over and over again and then beating them up. And so uh, Dr. Cashy, who's my co-writer um, on this, like we'll, we'll meet every Monday and we'll beat it up for two hours. I'm like, what about this? And then we just try another scenario and try and break the model until eventually we can't break it. Mm -hmm. And then once we have the core models of the book, then I'll start writing the book. And so right now, once I do it, I like, this is the 12th draft of the book. Um, I mean, and if you think about it, the way that you put time into YouTube videos, yeah. like the reason that most books don't sell a lot is because they're not that good or there's an alternative agenda, right? If you're making the book with the intention of like, how can I get somebody who doesn't have clients or doesn't have customers to get their first customers and they know nothing, right? And then I also have somebody who's doing 10 million a month and I need, and I want it to provide value to that guy. How do I solve both of those and do it in under 200 pages, keeping it under third grade reading level? That's what takes time. And so that's, so it was 650 pages. That's cut, cut down to about 220. Mm. So that's, that's yeah. a short answer of how I like. It's wow. tough. I honestly never want to write a book watching really? him write one. It looks awful. I put a lot of time into it. What would you say the most challenging part is? Getting the concepts right. The models. Like the reason the value equation hasn't been like altered and people share it all over the place, but no one changes it. Mm. It's because it's right. Like if you see people who like come up with these acronyms or like little, you know, like people will try and teach something and they'll spin something together and they'll throw it on the wall and people will continue to alter it. It's because it, so the, the quality of a model is based on validity and utility. So how, how true is it? Is it, does it predict an outcome? And, um, is it, <laughs> sorry, is it, is it useful and is it valid? So like I could say something's right, something's wrong. That's a model for outcomes, but is it useful? No. Right. And so if you have something that predicts an outcome and is viable in many, 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 many situations, you have a very valuable model. If you have a model that only applies to these situations and is wrong in all these other ones, it's not that useful. And so if I want to be, create very useful models that are correct in many scenarios, I have to continue to rechunk and rework it. And when you look in retrospect, like if you see the models, you'd be like, oh, of course, these make sense, but they're unbreakable. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's so hard, because once you see them, it seems obvious, but it took me <laughs> a lot of iterations to get there. Um, that is by far the hardest part of it. Writing the book for me, writing's not as as difficult. Um, that's more like coats of paint and polishing it over and over Got again. It. But the ideas is the hard part. The timeline you have to finish by? No. Just keeps going until it's done. And it's done. I like and I, I feel like now this is the third book that I have finished. Yeah. Um, or I'm like, it's it's gonna be wrapped up in the next fourteen days. It'll be done. Um I know that I'm done when I'm sick of the book and I don't want to look at it anymore. And I'm like, I don't even care. Like it is, it is exact. Like there's, there's nothing I can change about it. Like if they don't like it, then it is what it is. But like, there's nothing else I can change about it that would add or detract from the concept of the book at that point. Then it's been like, there's nothing else. And then, then I, like it can go in the world and maybe it takes less time. Maybe it takes more. It takes what it takes. I love that. Can we walk through maybe, each of your own respective daily yeah. schedules and maybe like how you can divide up that time between work if you're writing every day and then yeah. at the end of the night you know how you guys hang out sure um we're a little different so i mean 
wake up and I guess drink decaf coffee right now because I haven't been drinking calf. So there Why? you go. I don't know. I feel like sometimes it makes me like a little too buzzed, if that makes sense. Really? Wired, yeah. antsy? A little or... too wired, oh, yeah. yeah. And I don't really need any more of that. I, right. I have plenty of that naturally. Yeah. So, well, What time do you guys wake up at? Is it still Yeah, you know, it's so funny. Early? Everyone's always like, when do you wake up and go yeah. to bed? I don't pay attention. What? Really? Mm -mm. It's just no alarm? Just you wake no. up when yeah, you wake I, up? Yeah, I don't have alarm. But is it alarm. early? If, is it like, if, are you like Okay, if we have something going on, like an event or something, sure, I'll set an alarm. But like, I mean, I'll wake up anytime between 5.30 and 6 usually. Okay. That's like pretty average for me. Okay. Um, and then wake up, uh, drink coffee. Usually first thing I do is open my laptop start doing emails in Asana and Slack. So I like take care of everything that's come in the night I before. I thought you said in Asana. Oh no, 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 I don't Just go in Asana. In Asana. Yeah. No, I'm actually, I'm literally thinking as I'm saying, I was like, God, this is boring. Uh, here we go, Asana, most riveting yeah. part of the interview, biggest drop off on YouTube. Um, <laughs> Asana, Slack, all that stuff. And then I usually work on something for like a couple hours, like okay. probably two to three hours. I work on either like an initiative, doing diligence on a company, working on a company initiative, uh, building out a training, doing content, whatever it is, work on it for a few hours. And then usually around like 9.30 or 9, yeah, uh, go to the gym, work out, come back, uh, shower at some point. I try to like delay as long as possible. Sometimes I don't even, depending on the meetings we have. If they're all internal, like you're not getting a shower. <laughs> um, if they're external, like with our portfolio CEOs and stuff, like definitely going to. Um, and then do meetings from anywhere from like 11 to five typically. And then, or, you know, the days I prefer, it's like 12 to five or something like that. Then done with meetings, Alex and I go on a walk. We debrief with each other. Uh, then we usually go to dinner somewhere really easy where we like pick up something. Um, and then we come back lately, sometimes been working again at night for a little bit just cause of like the load of things going on. Um, and then read or watch something on YouTube or watch a show and mm -hmm. go to bed. What do you watch on YouTube? Honestly, I just study different people's channels now. Yeah. So like I was on your, the last time I was on here and I was like, I haven't watched anything. I was like, fuck, I should watch yes. this shit. Yeah. Um, and then I'm like, oh, wow. Like I get why, I'm, like I just, I get it. Um, and I'm like, I could put so much more effort into this. Uh, just seeing what people do. So just the biggest channels I can find, I look at. I look at a lot of the creative channels, like Mr. Beast or Arak yes. or like them. Yeah. Yeah, because I think, how can you take that and apply it to, like, educating people on business? Like, sure. there are principles you can take away. And so I'd rather look at that because I don't really like to watch other people's business content because I don't like a lot of it. Or I don't want to, like, assimilate other people's ideas. So I try not to watch any other channels of that. But that's usually, that's my yeah. routine. Yeah, I have a more... Um like I have a bigger window, so I'll wake up between like three thirty and seven. So it really just depends on when I wake up. I haven't. I can't remember the last time we set an alarm. Um, just wake up when I wake up. You would wake up naturally at three o'clock in the morning. Oh yeah, really? Oh yeah, for and sure. You're, oh do you God. feel tired, or are you just? Like... I woke up today at like four thirty. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, that's not really. Just saying, like that's a yeah. It's a Saturday. <laughs> if Alex is writing wow. his book or has ideas, he'll wake yeah, up. If I, like yeah. it's the idea that wakes me up. So really? it, yeah, it'll knock on the door and I'll be like, Oh, I'm up. All right. So, and yeah, so I'll wake up and then, um, it depends on if Layla's up or not. If Layla's up, um, then I'll have coffee with her and then I'll start working. And if she's not up then I'll not have coffee with her, I'll just have coffee alone, but straight on my, just straight to my desk and, mm. and start working there. And then, uh, I work 
sometimes I go to the gym. Sometimes I don't. Um, usually I do all my creative work in the beginning of the day. So um, book stuff, content stuff, um, creative solutions for like portfolio companies. Like if they need, you know, s- sales scripts like looked at or like there's marketing materials or something like that. Um, I'll take a look at it. That's not as often now. It's much more like probably candidates and stuff. Like if we're looking to hire a marketing, like a director of marketing for a company, it's yeah. like, I'll look at their, their resume. I'll click, you know, I'll just do research background. Um, but then, uh, but then, yeah, the second half of the day is meetings for me. And then I have the same back half as Layla. So for me, it's just wake up. First half is, is solo work. Second half is group work. And that is, that has worked extremely well for me. Just yeah. no disruptions. First half of my day is mine. Second half is meetings. And that's worked. Yeah. Have you ever had a desire to travel? Yeah. Oh, we do travel. Yeah. How often? This is just like yeah. what we do on a normal. Um, we were traveling a lot until about seven weeks ago when yeah. we decided to cancel all speaking. Most speaking, aside from certain that we committed to. Um, and not do that anymore. Yeah. Wine is speaking. It's not uh, forever. It's a season thing, one. Sure. And then two, it's like we want to make sure that we're on the stages that we want to be on. I think, you know, in the beginning it was more like, sure, well, like, hey, like, when's this date? Like, yeah, we'll try and make it, you know. Um, and we ended up just getting pulled in too many directions. And then yeah. and then our faces were, like, plastered all over stuff. And then I, I, did a, I noticed that. Yeah. And I don't yeah, like I've that. seen quite a few things where your face was the very first one <laughs> and everyone was reposting. Yeah. And... Uh, I think I was asked to speak at something similar. Yeah, I'm just, I'm not. I think it's gross. Yeah, we don't. Okay, really like, like it. I, I have thrown multiple events myself, and I would never exploit speakers like that. And so, experiencing it sucks. Um, but it, it makes you appreciate the people that throw good events. You know what yeah. I mean? And we want to preserve our energy for people that are looking to throw events for the right reasons, mm-hmm. and not, and looking to treat the speakers well. You yeah. know what I mean? I think that that's important. It's a speaker experience is seriously, it's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, the big picture is like, if you just think like time in versus impact doing shows like this, doing podcasts, like I, I actually prefer this to the, the stage stuff and the reach that you get is significantly higher. So like per unit of time, there's, there's not a strong argument for the other. The only reason we'll do the other ones is like, if it's a state like now it would have to be a stage that we would pursue or one that we're like, we want to be excited to get on a stage, not just like passively accept an invitation. And so we, we just pretty much drew a line, canceled everything going forward. And then now we're just being far more selective about the few things yeah. that we take. I will say this. We talked to two different people that are far ahead of us, yeah. you know, like worth billions. And I asked them how they think through speaking yeah. on stages. And they both spoke to the point of only speak on stages where you would want people to associate you with every person that's speaking on that stage. Right. And that that's incredible. Yeah. It was a great piece of me. advice. Yes. Cause yeah. I was really struggling with it because I'm like, is this, does this work? I, like, I want to make an impact and help these people in the audience. Yeah. I want to help yeah. these people, but, you know. but can I help wow. those people if I'm then associated with these other people from there on out? The answer is no. So yeah. I think that was a huge piece. And I think that, it was an unlock for me. I was like, I get it now. So it's like only speak on stages that you want to be associated with all the other people speaking there and the brand of the company or person that you're speaking yeah. on their stage. Which means that's a perspective I've never thought of before. Yeah, yeah. because is yeah. it, and this is the question if you're speaking on a stage, is it building your brand or theirs? Right. Correct. 
And if it's not yeah. building your brand, why are you speaking on the stage? If right. it's deteriorating your brand, if it's almost, because some people, you know, for us, like we don't sell anything. And then we might go on someone's stage and they're milking our brand. They're selling tickets with our face on it. That's detracting from our brand. It's not what I want to do. If we threw an event, I'm not going to charge people that much money for a ticket. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. if I wouldn't even do that myself, it's tough to then watch somebody else do it. Yeah, I've been invited a lot to speak. I've turned everything yeah. down except for one. And the one event, it ended up getting pushed, but it was, it, I, I would love to be associated with everyone on stage. Like I, cool. I'm the odd one out in, in that situation. That's great. That's but cool. even with that, they were saying, oh, you, you could sell something on stage. I'm like, I have nothing to sell. Yeah. And it seems like with a lot of these, it's like, and we'll let you pitch for free. And, you yeah, know, yeah. we're not going to ask for anything, but, you know, we yeah. want you to come and just speak. Yeah. yeah. So when you don't have anything to sell, especially, uh, or any hard pitches like that on stage, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, I've always thought about it logically that if I want to reach 100,000 people, I'd much rather, it's so much easier to turn on the camera than go up on stage and travel and have to wait. Yeah. And it's just because it's two days. I don't like it. That's yeah. the thing. It's two days. And then I think to myself, opportunity cost of two days financially never makes sense no. from uh, even just if we just go impact standpoint. If I spend two days recording, you know, scripting and recording content or like writing out bullets of things that I want to cover and like really spend time on it. There's no universe where that, and especially because we've, now that we have the reach that we have, there's no universe that doesn't reach more people than any event. And so that's where, you know what I mean? Like to your point, if we're really proud to associate with the brand and the other people on stage and it's a stage that we would actively pursue and be excited about, then that's what we're saying yes to. Everything else is, I'll just say, put it this way, like stages we own so we can control the setting and we know yeah. that it's, our messages are being delivered the way we want them to be delivered. Because to yeah. your point, like, if I'm not selling anything using my face, you better not be selling something using my face. You know what I mean? Right. The sum of it, though, I've seen the costs associated with holding these meetings. I mean, 50, 100,000. Patrick Bet David did one. How much was that, Jeff? $3 million <clears throat> to host the event for him. Yeah. So, and, and he does that every single year. But That's there's crazy. so much work that goes behind the scenes to, to orchestrate something like that. Yeah, we well, I think because he knows how to do it right. Yeah. yeah. You he, know? He's had probably a decade of experience just hosting that event. Yeah. yeah, he's got it down. It's still three million dollars in weeks worth of prep, totally, just to set up. Yeah, it's so cool. Yeah, yeah. Our first our like the biggest like we did a delivery event, so there was no like it was just like uh, an event. We didn't sell anything. It was just to, for yeah. it was clients. like one point seven million. And it's like it just costs a lot because yeah. we fed everybody for two days. It's like having extra a, protein. Yeah, it's like having <laughs> yeah. six weddings. You know what I mean? It's like having six weddings, right. and if you have a venue, may as well just double on a wedding on that. Yeah, while you guys are here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I have a philosophical question. What do you guys think is the biggest threat to humanity right now? It's a deep question, man. I was thinking about <laughs> it. Anyone's prepared I was thinking about it this one. morning. Well, I mean, I, I have two perspectives. It. So one, you've sure. got like the impending, you know, tension with the East and nuclear or whatever, if something escalated and whatnot. Um, that's one. The other one is just, is just AI. You know what I mean? It would just like, I saw um, a video two days ago that was an entire video of a girl like dancing and doing all this stuff and like they're like this person isn't real and i think that that has really really deep implications like ai will only be a threat to humanity if it doesn't want humanity to be here right like that's that's where it's a threat otherwise i think there's like the micro or, or much more soon threat of what are people going to do because like even content right like imagine you've got somebody who can crank perfect content every hour of every day making a hundred videos every day that are like perfectly optimized and doesn't sleep. And every time people watch, they learn and they can pull from every YouTube video that's ever been made. Like that's, I have a point I want to mention on yeah, that. This is crazy. It. Ali Abdal on Twitter 
posted his, I think it was like 10 productivity hacks. Mm -hmm. And I went through it. I loved it. Mm -hmm. I thought this was one of his best posts he's ever made. Yeah. And he came out a week later to say that AI wrote that. He had nothing to do with it. And it was also one of his most liked and retweeted tweets. Yeah. It was AI. Yeah. I was blown away. And he said it was a part of this experiment that he was running to see if an AI would be able to replace a human. And the answer was yes and better. Yeah. Yeah. And that is nuts to me. And I remember reading this yeah. specifically and like, wow, this is really good, really insightful. Yeah. I loved it. And I, I, I read it a few times because it's that good. But it was AI. Yeah. And it just pulled the data from the internet and then yeah. assimilated it in such a way that People understood. It's yep. incredible. If you cool. there's AI stuff right now for like if you just say like, hey, I want a, a guy smoking a cigar, looking over a city in Van Gogh thing. You click a button and they have a randomly generate and just click generate again, generate again. And now map map these the confluence of these things. You've got AI that can write better than humans, and then you've got it making moving pictures in real time. It's like it will be able to script and animate in real time, perfect content. And so that's where like, it's gonna be really interesting from like, so like imagine movies in Hollywood, like yeah. they can crank out a million movies with a click of a button, like it's just not that far away. And so it's just gonna be like, what what jobs will be left for people to do? It's gonna be like, and I think a lot of AI stuff, people haven't been afraid of it because the people in power, their jobs were never at risk. Yeah, And so it's just been laborers. So like laborers, like drivers, like. Truck drivers are going to be, which is a huge, huge amount of the workforce for men, especially drivers in general, Uber, like truck drivers, et cetera. Like they're just going to be replaced, right? Like that's like super like everyone. But those already exist. Don't you like, think that would lead to more productivity in general? Because there's just, something that because they can farming, do. farming equipment, I mean, it's taken away the job of so many people, but that's yeah. allowed us to progress so much. I'm not like, believe me, I'm pro technology yeah. in general. I think we're where a machine can do everything better than a human. That's where it gets it gets fuzzy. That's where it gets tough. Yeah, can't it already to a certain degree in terms of just cars, machinery, uh, digging? I think it's the it's building, the things yeah. coming together. It's like you sure. have these robots that you see Boston uh, Dynamics. Dynamics. Yeah. yeah, Boston Dynamics have those crazy robots, and then you merge that with like the brain that like can learn and then just replace all physical labor. Oh, now because it's really expensive to buy those versus labor, but then in forty machine generations, it'll be cheaper and they can replace them like that. Mm -hmm. And then when that machine AI can also do X, you know what I mean? Like, and then they just become more and more able. Um, and there's a saying in the finance world, uh, you probably know it, but like things take longer to happen uh, than you think and then faster than you can imagine. So it's like, it takes longer for, you know, like in the big short, like they knew that it was upside down for four years before it actually happened, right? Mm -hmm. And then it happened almost overnight. And I feel like it's gonna be the same thing with, with AI stuff, not to get, uh, but it's something that it definitely keeps me up whenever I go down the rabbit hole and I see the stuff that's advancing in the rate that it's advancing right now mm -hmm. and how it implies like, like every single copywriter, every yeah. content creator, like that's just but all marketing. Don't you think then it would be so optimized that then you'll need outliers to stand out from that. So it'll constantly have to be fighting against itself because if everything is optimized, then nothing is. And then you have to do something else. I to think stand it would out. be competing yeah. against itself. Right. It would just be, but like, it's AI competing against itself, not against us. Like we're just, we're not in the arms race. Sure. Like it'll get so. better. Yeah. Right. Like it'll just be way above us and we're just never gonna be able to make stuff as good.
that's where it gets frightening. So anyways, that's, uh, what, that's what I think the biggest threat to okay. humanity is. Great answer. Yeah. <laughs> All yeah. right. <clears throat> Layla? Not dissimilar. Um, I think it's the next generation, honestly. So I was listening to, I can't remember which podcast it was, and they were talking about how the upcoming generation that will be the ones in power very soon, right? Um, nobody in the history of mankind has ever lied down as many hours a day as they do. And so I think it's actually like the dissolution of the next generation, because I think that like AI, for example, if in the right hands with the right regulations in place, I think could be beneficial to humanity. But I think that what like the underlying issue is that the people that are coming into power and like the next generation don't look at it that way or aren't going to take the measures needed to make sure that it doesn't go to the extreme that it could. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So I think it's more, that's what I fear because I see it in like, there's, I mean, and listen, this is a huge generalization, but because there's tons of people still in the upcoming generation that are super hardworking, super diligent, like absolutely out there killing it. Like I talk to them every day, they work on my team. (laughs) (laughs) But there's also a ton of people who I've never seen, like more glued to their phones, more like lazy, not wanting to work, not wanting to do anything. And that makes me sad, you know? I mean, it just, it just sucks. I can't imagine that's a happy life. And so I just wonder what's going to happen when all these things are presented to humanity and those are the people making decisions and deciding who's in power in this world. So that's what I think about. I agree with that. I think the next yeah. generation is going to be, could be a very big inflection point just for humanity yeah. in general. Well, I, think and I also think it's more of a symptom though, then uh, of like life for a lot of people has just gotten extremely easy. Yeah. Like everyone has a microwave now. Well, not everyone. I shouldn't yeah. say that a vast, vast, vast majority of people have a microwave now. Whereas I don't know how long ago, right? Let's say a hundred or so years ago, like it was, it was pretty rare, you know, and was, <laughs> I don't think anyone has a microwave a hundred years ago. I don't know what a microwave yeah. is. Yeah. I'm just saying, okay. I'm Only like, a few people. I'm not gonna history, okay. But you know what I'm saying? Like you know, stuff like that is everything is accessible to everybody nowadays. Yeah. I know. And, I, I think it'll take a turn, uh, but because history shows that it always does, but it's just, it's hard to watch. It's hard to talk to people that think that way. And it's hard to talk to people who, you know, I mean, I've had conversations with plenty of people that are like straight out of college with no experience or skills. And they're like, you need to pay me a hundred thousand dollars. I'm like, for what? I'm like, you didn't do anything. I think it's more expectations around reality. Um, But you know, I think every incumbent generation always has gripes with the you know the the up, up and coming yeah, one yeah. like that's the 60s the 70s yeah, like right, you know right. it's you know there's there's always been um strife but you know we'll see i mean the thing is is a lot of the stuff is uncharted territory in terms of how technology has shifted the landscape and really media in general um how much that has like the propaganda machine you know what i mean yes. in terms of that's... shifting shifting culture in real time um, that's the stuff that's, I don't know, scarier or, or different than, so like the ability to shift the entire zeitgeist of an era through media was not possible before. And so I think what happens is right now is that the extremes are significantly more, things are more polarized and it's kind of, I think there's a word for it, but it's like a double Gaussian chart, you know, but like they're, it's way more polar. Yes. That's what we'll see. And I think to your point about like, or what you were saying about threats, it's like world wars, like this crazy divide, yeah. you know, we'll see, but I mean. I think there's big cycles in humanity and what happens after war is peace. And so hopefully we can avoid it. But um, anyways, those are the things that keep me up besides AI. I think that's why, like, <laughs> in this generation, like if you look at like creators, even on YouTube that I look at, like 
that the upcoming generation has such an opportunity and like the sure. like to get on there and like change how people are thinking. I'm just we know a few that are, but it'd be cool to see more. Yeah. That was the conclusion I drew. I thought it was the media, to be honest. This morning, that was just like a uh, maybe a thirty-minute like <laughs> internal dialogue. Though yeah, yeah. I was just like on my walk, and I was thinking, like, oh, yeah, it's pretty dangerous, you know. And especially yeah. like with all of the power that they have, like totally. over influencing Americans as well as yeah. politicians. As That's well. why they're yeah. uh, outlawed in most countries. So, like most media, social media is not allowed. Like TikTok's not. That's allowed interesting. In but it's also a double-edged sword. You know? It's like I get it. You know, yeah. I get both sides. I'm worried it's more about the destruction of the planet and the natural resources yeah. and killing off the oceans. And Elon doesn't seem upset about it, or he's not worried about it. So yeah. he, I've taken my, I've taken my really? lead from him. In that, I assume trust. he's done more work. Yeah, answering that question. And so, you know, we because we talk about not to revert back to acquisition.com, um, <laughs> but like so our we whole, at acquisition.com. Yeah, yeah. Our our whole goal is like yeah. to make real business uh, education available to everybody, and it's. It's not because we think that we're going to save the world, but we hope that we can equip whoever can cure Alzheimer's and whoever can build a for-profit business that cleans the ocean. Like we want to enable that person to. But he wants to colonize Mars. So don't yeah. you think that maybe he thinks that humanity's too far gone and that's why he wants to yeah, build something else? I think, yeah, it's actually, yeah. I mean, if at least all the things that yeah. I've heard, it's just much more of a fail safe of mm -hmm. like humanity's likelihood of staying alive increasing significantly if it's a multi-planetary species like that's the single like belief point that mm -hmm. he has looking at like the models of sure. population growth and like if an asteroid hits or like you know what i mean like there's or a nuclear like there's just a lot of things that can happen on a planet that could kill everybody and so if there's just two you've got a backup and that's what significantly increases the likelihood that the species stays alive mm -hmm. i'm also a believer humans one of our best powers is our ability to adapt mm -hmm. and i think we're a lot better at adapting than mitigating other issues and like you said if something happens to the environment i would like to think some for-profit organization or whatever yeah. could go and try to find a solution for it i think so yeah i wrote this down which i think is kind of interesting uh lots of successful business people tend to have greater egos because there is a numerical metric to their success uh whereas in other areas of life there is no number such as like your success in relationships or something like that I have noticed that tends to lead, like I said, to greater egos. How do you guys both balance your egos, especially in a relationship where a lot of the times there usually is someone kind of at the top and a supporter. It's pretty common. But with both of you being so successful in your respective niches, uh, how do you balance the egos? I mean, it's been tough. I didn't I didn't think that Layla's ego is going to fit in the door, but, you know, here we are. So apparently, you know, she was able to... We fit have very wide doors. So. Yeah. I was wow. like, large um, doors. Got it. <laughs> no, go ahead. I yeah, I'll speak for myself, which is like, I don't have an ego. I tend to err on the side of insecure. So if anything, it's been a balance because Alex tends to have an ego. I tend Not to be insecure. And I think that we've taught each other, uh, I think that we've learned from each other in a way that has helped us each kind of migrate a little bit more towards the middle, if that makes sense. Like I tend to be incredibly self-critical, like no matter how much success I have, like I do not see myself that way. Like no matter how fit I am, I think I'm fat. Like well, I remember when I won a bikini competition, I was like, no shit. I was like, that's making sense. I'm fat. They must have felt bad for me. Like that's literally how my brain works. And that's how I am with everything with success. It's just like any amount of money we make, I always look at other people and circumstances as to being the reason why rather than myself. And so I've had to work on building my self-esteem through 
building evidence that I am good at things um, and showing myself those arguments because I think my brain tends to go to why I'm not good at things and why it's all other people and not myself. Um, and I've had to work really hard to build my self-esteem by presenting myself with undeniable evidence as to why I'm good at something. So I don't really think I've had like a, I, I definitely haven't erred on the side of having like a big ego. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, hasn't been my, uh, hasn't been my fight, uh, to, hasn't been my battle. No, I mean, my, I've been, I've been pretty public about the fact that the thing that I, that I struggle with is ego and pride. And, um, I mean, it's, it's the, it's the aspect of myself that I hate the most. You know what I mean? Um, I'm grateful for the, the drive, you know, that it, that it brings the ambition and whatnot. Um, but you know, I, I remember I was talking to, was like an executive coach a few years back and I was like how do I keep the drive without the other stuff like I was like I feel like it's really effective fuel I was like but it just burns dirty and so um you know trying to tackle that has been a lifelong journey and I don't you know I hope that I, I hope that I've, I've gotten better over time and I think that so something you know just going back to something we were talking earlier about finding a mate I think that I think that you want to have a mate that compliments you and has character traits that you aspire towards. And so there are many traits that Layla has that I aspire to be more like. And there are things that I probably have that she aspires to be more like. And I think in that way we can both improve. And I think if, if you're kind of balanced, you end up kind of meeting a little bit more in the middle where like, hopefully I will have less ego, she will have more, she'll be less insecure, I'll be more insecure. <laughs> you know what I mean? And we just meet in a place of just kind of acceptance. But I mean, managing that is, I guess it's like understanding what context it, it's in. So it's like, is the context our our romantic relationship? For me, that would probably like feeling disrespected by something that she would say. That would be something where like my ego might manifest and I might get angry. Um, I think that has happened less and less. Um, you know, in the business setting, it's the same thing. Someone not basically complying <laughs> yeah. with with the request and you know me getting upset about that but i think the more times i'm wrong and i've been wrong plenty of times i try and remind myself of the times that someone else was right and i was wrong um and to just like like put some space between my emotional reaction and my actual reaction um so that i can give myself like a counting five before i like say something stupid and so um one of my favorite definitions of humility is from uh, Clayton Christensen. He said, humility isn't uh, thinking less of yourself. It's increasing your regard for others. And C.S. Lewis has a different definition of it, but I also like it, which is um, humility isn't thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. And so both of those have, you know, one is actively saying you, you increase your regard for other people. The other one is just like not making yourself the center of the universe. And so those are kind of like the mental frames that I try and think through, uh, to try and decrease my ego in the moment. The third frame that I use is the grandfather frame, which I don't know if you followed any of my stuff, but, um, is thinking if I were 85 years old and I were born into this moment, like I went through a time machine, like my 85 year old self, and he reimagined, like he reemerged in this body, but it's 85 years old looking at you that man doesn't have that much ego and he's just very grateful to be here. You know what I mean? Like I wouldn't be like, can you believe this? I'm here. I remember when Jack looked so young, you know what I mean? And yeah. Graham, like, you know what I mean? Like it, sure. it's actually, if you really get into that state, like you, like it really shifts how you see the world. And I think the reason that ego is so insidious is that you can't be grateful and have an ego because the moment that the ego flares, you believe you deserve it which means you can't be grateful for it. 
So you can't be both grateful and have an ego, which is why I think gratitude's been so difficult for me in my life. Because I, it's been like, of course this happened. I would expect this to happen, which also removes a lot of the joy from anything. And so it's been something that I've worked a lot on and I don't think that there's a solution to it. I think it's just like the consistent chiseling away, you know, layer by layer of it and trying to remind myself that like, you know, my worldview is like yeah. when I die, nothing happens and I am not as significant as I like to pretend to be. Now, what's wrong with feeling like you deserve something? It's an expectation that you're placing on reality that you can't control. Let's say someone works really hard mm -hmm. for 20 years and they, you know, save up money and they say, I deserve that Corvette and they buy it. Yeah. Is that is that a negative that they felt like that was the expected outcome? I think if they didn't think they deserved the Corvette and then bought it, they'd be more grateful for it. I think they there's also a difference between deserving and earning something. Maybe important to delineate between. Yeah, maybe. You know? I don't know. Yeah. No, this is why definition is really important. Like, yeah. This is what I jam on. But mm -hmm. um, I mean, I said on the first podcast, like, does that, like this is a quote from Naval who quoted somebody else, but it's, you know, desire is a contract we make with ourselves to be unhappy until we get what we want. And so when we say I deserve that, you're making a statement that I, unless I get this, it's mm -hmm. like making an if then statement for being discontent or, you know, not happy. And so... I, I try to avoid those at all costs because then if your expectation is zero of reality, everything above zero is positive. But it's just like making no, making no demands of the universe hmm. because um, shoot, I think it's Albert Ellis who said he, he, he interviewed zillions and zillions of people for therapy stuff. And he continued to, he had like nine, nine, um, what did he call them? He called them, I want to say disillusions, distortions. There you see, there was nine distortions of reality and then there were seven. And then finally there were three and then it stuck with three and then he died. Right? Yeah. And it was, um, people make demands of the universe. So it's like a circumstance, like it has to be, you know, sunny tomorrow cause it's my wedding, right? It's demand of the universe, just circumstance. They make demands of other people. Like people must comply with my requests. They must do things the way I want them to do them or else they're threats. Right. And then finally, um, there's avoidance at the bottom, which is that they will avoid like taking accountability for their current state through fear, et cetera. And so I try to avoid all three of those things um, when I'm thinking about like how I interact with reality. And so that's why from the deserving perspective, I, I don't like that language. I actually, I actually hate the word deserve. Like really? I deserve this. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's literally setting yourself up to be angry. See, part of me thinks that people deserve to be happy. They deserve to be fulfilled. They deserve a lot of things. And I think having that feeling enables them to pursue that. Otherwise, if they feel undeserving of something, they may be more likely to self-sabotage or not pursue or leave things on the table that they could have otherwise obtained. Yeah, I think there's just underlying shoulds that I sure. just don't agree with. Okay. Not that I think that they're good or bad. I yeah. just, like, I don't think that, I don't think people deserve anything. I think we're just people, period. We are what we are. If we get mm -hmm. things, cool. But, like, I just don't think anyone deserves anything. Myself included. Sure. I'd prefer things, but I don't deserve them. That's just how I mm. see reality. As far as being grateful, that's something that I definitely used to not be very good at. And mm. recently I've gotten a lot better at. For the past three or four months, what I do every morning is I write down, don't type it, but I write down three things I'm grateful for. Mm. And it's helped. You know, it's a simple exercise. But now yeah. I, I like to think I'm pretty good at practicing gratitude. So right. just a, a tip, you know, in case of you, in case of you curious. <laughs> it's worked for me. So... Mm. I want to get your honest thought about a situation that I'm going through right now. Yeah. FTX has been a sponsor of my channel. Yeah. Last, I was curious how you were taking that. Yeah. yeah. Horrible. Yeah. For the last seven months. It has been yeah. 
made me question every yeah. I mean I won't go into the details yeah. but it has been We're probably blessed. one of the one of the worst weeks yeah. that I could imagine worse than any breakup I mean yeah. I feel like I, I've done so much to to just offer value and then this happens and yeah it's it's been shocking to see how quickly people have turned yeah. um and a lot of them when I really get into it it's you know when I think objectively about it, I'm like okay yeah. you know a video gets 300,000 views got 2,500 comments so there's 25 2,000 are negative and when you, when you think it's like okay that's that's 0.5% of the overall audience yeah. um Everyone has their own demand and expectation from yeah. me of how I should handle these the situation. Yeah, and it's it's frustrating because I I have my own intuition of just what I would like to do. Yeah, and I worry that's reactionary that that right. I'm I'm only reacting because of this. And then I've I've seen other people who are in the same situation as me. You stopped sponsoring them, presumably. Oh, right? absolutely. Yeah. I okay, cu yeah. I cut it before anything happens. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I mean, the hardest thing. I guess for me has been that people have, at least I feel like yeah. people, I've completely ruined the trust I had built with my yeah. audience over six years. Like yeah. my, my entire life has been this yeah. and it's gone from something that mm -hmm. I had no idea about. Yeah. And it's been really tough to deal with that and not know how to properly address it. I know how, how I would like to make the situation right, yeah. but doing that, properly in a way that's not reactionary people seem to have the assumption that i knew yeah. what was going to happen or like you know a scamming and shilling and yeah. um i want to get your take on it from someone who's not in it who could yeah. think objectively who's familiar with it because there's the side of you know from a business perspective you mm -hmm. do not address it you keep going but then mm -hmm. there's a different aspect of like hey this is pr social media yeah. i built my business on me yeah it's not yeah. like i am the business it's not yeah, the the big statement is brand over everything, in my opinion, mm -hmm. because like what you just said, like trust is what you've built your entire reputation on. I don't think it's as bad as you think it is just being on the outside. Okay, because I think anyone who's reasonable, like if people on Wall Street lost millions and billions of dollars here, like they were doing a they were putting a tremendous amount of effort behind hiding, <laughs> you know, what they were doing. Yeah, And so anyone who I think is the type of person that you would want to be associated with your brand, there's the emotions of the situation. Someone might have bought, many people might have started to use FTX because of you, but whether they hold you accountable for what happened is kind of separate. And so I think that if you kind of like charge the shooter in terms of saying like, I feel terrible, like I lean towards owning everything and just being like, this is the relationship that I had with, I'm sure I, I didn't watch the video that you made, but mm -hmm. it's like, this was the relationship that I had with them. They were a sponsor for my videos. Something felt weird. So I took it off. I've built this brand off of not shilling anything, really believing in products. Like so-and-so said they were the JP Morgan. I thought they were the most reputable brand. Believe me, I get brands every day who try and ask me to do stuff and I don't do it because I value y'all's trust. Like I would never for the money that I got from this, I could have equally just done something else. Like, I, you know what I mean? And yeah. just very clear, like, and this has been terrible for me. Like imagine everything that you've built for six years, you know, gets called into question because of honestly just a mistake, you yeah. know what I mean? And, and I think that the more you just own that narrative of like, this is, this is my fault. I should have looked yeah. even closer, but at the same time, like, go ahead, I yeah. think, and I think you have to speak to them. They feel like, how are they feeling right now? Those See, people? I'm confused because um, when I made the first video, it was a two minute, quick, right to the point, no fluff, no nothing. Okay. Um, and it was really well received. Someone else, Coffeezilla, made a whole video. Immediately, I got 
thousands of people just oh. flooding everything. When I look through comments, I do a search to see if they've commented before on the channel. Yeah. I want to say 95% have never commented before on the channel. So you already yeah. made a two-minute video addressing this entire matter. Yes. What did you say, just so I know? Uh, I said that FTX.com yeah. was experiencing financial issues. FTX US is separate from that. And right now is open for withdrawals. Yeah. I said, I cut my relationship with FTX. I would recommend you take your money out of FTX US. Um, I don't know. Right now they're working and they claim they're separate. I don't know if I believe that. Yeah. So I take your money out what you still can. Um, and then I just made a little mention that, you know, this was a, a, a sponsor who I, I, tr I took them at their word. I was mistaken. I'm sorry for doing this. Or I'm sorry that, uh, that I basically, I apologize. Yeah. And it was a mistake. Um, and, you know, I hope I'm wrong and this whole thing resolves itself. But in case it, it's not, then take yeah. your money out. I mean, that was two minutes just saying that. If you covered the core, like, and you were early on it, which is great, like really good. And you were like, hey, take it out. Like I, and it was also before, like that, that was, shows yes. you're protecting your, like you're fortunate in that you didn't have to wait for everything to collapse right. before doing something. Like, was there a brand damage? Yes. Mm -hmm. Is it permanent? No. Do people who are reasonable, who followed your stuff, especially because you made the two minute video beforehand, think that you are a shill? No, because they've been following your stuff forever and you're so particular, and I also know you, that you're so particular about what you endure. Like literally the whole conversation we just had about the the, the stages and who you stand next to and the associations, yeah. like we're so particular about that because we know how much it matters. And it's just one of those like, it sucks. And it will happen and Life will move on, and when you're 85, you'll be like, yeah, I remember when that happened. That sucked. But, like, it's not going to destroy your brand. I think the fact that you came forward, did it first, told your people to take it out, like, because you were just not even, you you didn't even wait for it. You were like, I'm just not even sure, and that's enough for me to say, I cut my relationship with them, and I told you to take your money out. Like, dude, I think you've done right by your audience. I don't know. I, I feel like the <coughs> longstanding audience does deserve something maybe more, but they want the whole story. Like, here's what I did. Here's the research I did. But I don't know also if those are those are people who just want to, they thrive on that sort of drama. I think if you feel like there are things that are unsaid that you feel should be shared, then share those. If you if you feel like that first video covered <coughs> all the points, then yeah, I feel like a lot of it would just be but defending myself, and that that's where I feel like I'm at, um, just based on the comments. And then of course I feel like some of that, you know, even if if a person never thought of that before. Uh, Graham was scamming his audience or he knew yeah. they see comments about there like wait a second maybe maybe these people are right uh, yeah yeah he was scamming his audience yeah and then that it I believe it's infectious the other aspect is that a lot of people want to know how much did you make from mm -hmm. the deal and then to give it all away and I have no problem giving it all away and not profiting if I can if I can just count yeah. on this with like I, you 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 want to give the money away because you want to feel better Yes. Like just being real. Yeah. I don't think any less of your character because you had FTX as a sponsor. Yeah. It could have been Coinbase. It would like People make those right. decisions all the time. It just happened to not work out. Yeah. yeah. Like, is there something realistically that you can add to the process for future sponsors? Oh, yeah. I mean, I well, just stay away from crypto. Sure. Then, like, then add that. You know yeah. what I mean? By all means. But there was a crypto craze and a lot of people were like, it's the new money. Yeah, well, like, that's why I thought of brokerage, not any coins right. or anything yeah, like course. that. You know? You're trying to do like the NFT, most. Like, you've, yeah. You've always made the pro brand decision. And you made it then, and you made it early the moment you sniffed something. You didn't yeah. keep taking their money. Like, if you had at that point, like, right when you were like, things are weird, I'm going to take the next check. Yeah. Do you know Aesop's fable of the man, the boy, and the mule? No. I think it's useful to know. Okay. So this is like a multi-thousand-year-old story. So there's a father, a son, and a mule, and they're walking. 
right? And all three of them are walking and then people walk by and they're like, what a waste of a mule. They're like, why would you have a, a mule walking when you've got, you know, two people walking beside it? So the father puts his son on the, on the mule and they keep walking. And the next group of people come by and they're like, what a terrible boy making his old father walk next to him while he rides the mule. So they hear that and then the kid gets off and the father gets on and they're riding. And the next group of people pass by and they're like, what a terrible father making his son walk next to him while he walks, while he rides the mule. And so as they walk, as they get into town, they, uh, they, they, they hop off the mule, they take a stick and then they tie the donkey's feet together and then they put the stick over the shoulder and then they start carrying the mule, um, like it hanging like yeah. a thing. And the moral of the story is like all four of the scenarios are the four possibilities they could have done. And all, and then of course people there are saying they're idiots too. And so it's like, you can't please everyone. And so it's like, you can only do the thing that you know is right. Mm -hmm. And you're the only one who has context on your situation. No one else does. The funny thing is that when we die, the only person who has full context on our scenario dies with us. Mm -hmm. And so like, you're the judge. Yep. So if you feel good, I'm like rock. If you're like, I feel weird, then it's like, then get that handled and then be twice as loud because you shouldn't have anything to be ashamed of. Thank you. Yeah, no worries. Thank you. Appreciate it, guys. Yeah. We really appreciate you coming on. So yeah. Yeah. hope you enjoyed. Yeah, hope we get some of them, them clippy clippies. Yes.